Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So, you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Woo! Woo! So it's going to be happy. Our guest this week is a musician, a writer, an artist, and surfer. He founded Epic Clothing in the 80s. And he later worked at OP as a graphic designer. He's had multiple multiple bands throughout his life, including El Centro and Uprising. He toured the Warp Tour. He had a song appear on CSI Miami. But his life forever changed on October 12, 2002, when he lost his best friend, Steve Weber. R.I.P. Webster. Steve Webster, sorry. <laughs> Webster. Get it right, bro. Steve Weber, Webster. You can't, you can't mess out one. Yeah. That's one. That's an important one. And, yeah. and um, you know, he had... Uh, a horrific um, suffering, a major, you know, head trauma, broken bones, burns across his body, loss of hearing, and uh, he, he was a warrior. Teeth, he lost his teeth, and uh, he fought to try to save his friend's life, and he was not only her- heroic to save his own, but countless others as he made a, a, a way through the rubble to save other people too. It's intense, man. I can't wait to hear it. But more importantly, we want to showcase all of his talents, including music and art and writing and surfing, how he's inspiring others and putting out positivity. And we welcome Steve Krabby Kabler. You got (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, before we get into everything, yeah, we are just talking a little bit about the bombing, you know, on the, on the, on the pre-show and 
I was there and I would have been in your shoes or right next to you if it was an hour later, guaranteed. Life would have been totally different. And, uh, you know, for some reason we weren't and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that, but you know, Hey, we're stoked. We're stoked you're here and yeah. Sharing positive uh, vibes and positive vibrations, yeah, yeah. And, and putting out um, killer music and art. And I heard you're an incredible I writer, it. I so love it. Yeah, All right, but let's start at the beginning. Uh, where did Krabby grow up and find surfing? I grew up in Fountain Valley, California, and uh, you know, I'll never forget. My biggest influences were I don't know if you guys remember Mike Purpose. Yeah. And David Nueva. I remember I was I was on Huntington Pier, walking on Huntington Pier, and there was a contest. You remember back they had the big wide world of sports yeah. contests and stuff like that? And I remember seeing David Nueva and uh, Mike Purpose with their boas and their big feathers, and they looked like pimps, you know? And all the girls in bathing suits. And I was like, I was like, I mean, this is, I started surfing in 1970, I believe right around 1970. But I was like, I got to do that. You know, I got to do <laughs> those that. guys are cool. Yeah, well, so so I mean, larger I mean, than life. Yeah, sure. so we found our way Brookhurst Street. Brookhurst. Well, I grew up on Brookhurst and Edinger, and so Brookhurst Street was like I didn't realize, but it's one of the heaviest, best beach breaks in California. Really, you yeah, just, if you on, look at it. So I grew up. I I, grew, I I sprouted my teeth surfing river jetting, you know, getting riding the tube and 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 doing that. Uh, and you know, back then we had like a. I had like a beaver tail. I'd be out there freezing. I'd have a board of tape together, broken in half. You know, leash. You'd use a rope or whatever. You yeah. know, but but yeah. Did you have friends from your neighborhood? Oh yeah, or? yeah. My best friend across the street at the time, Kyle. We both uh, we both went down and to get our first real surfboards. I was talking to Bud Lamas about this the other day. It was on Sixth Street, and there was uh, this is like Stinger Swallows, and it, there was a company called Sea Ski. It's really old. I kind of yeah. remember. It's ski. really old. And so we went and bought brand new sea ski surfboards. And wow. so we would go down all the time. And then a guy across the street was kind of a kooky guy, but he, he you know, he liked to, he'd get out there on a raft. And so we, he had a Dotson pickup truck and we'd, we'd always just go and surf Brooker Street. How and, old were you? Uh, I started at 10. So it was like 10, 34, you know, 13, you know, 73. I was, I'm 62 years old. I was born in 1960. Wow. Was that so? You guys would just charge our, uh, the the river mount, uh, just the surf, river bed, surf, surf, surf the river, and just and yeah. And so I didn't realize. I mean, it's the best testing grounds for you know. I would I end up surfing all the you know all the you know, cloud break and pipe all the places all over the world. Yeah, and that was my training ground. You know, and so you got you bought brand new boards. At brand new boards. Brand new boards. Were, they were only a hundred bucks back then. You know, yeah. They were cheap. Stinger swallows. Stinger swallows. Six six. If I remember correctly, we our number. We'd always six six. We had to have a six six. That was Single popular. Thing, so. Yeah. Yeah. Back then. And, yeah. And it, it, gloss coat. Any any spray or is it just kind of generic like just it, logo? No, no, just just. I mean, mine was like red with white stripes, and and his yeah. was was lemon yellow. I remember. I go, God, I wish I. I always wanted to have his, his <laughs> because I wrote it a few times and it worked better. Yeah. And I always wanted to 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 have his board. But yeah, back then there was so many, there was a guy named Brian Carson. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. B-Rad, they called him. No. And so when, when we were kids, like he went to school in Santa Ana. And he would, I remember one day he showed up, and this is just going off on a weird topic. But he took a belt, cut it, glued these, both of these straps on his deck, and was doing aerials in like 1974. Wow. Back, back at Brookhurst River. I remember seeing 
doing helicopters out with you know i was like wow well, he, he glued he t- he belt he a uh, belt like a like belt yeah, belt loops like belt like leather belt things yeah and he and he certainly click his feet and he'd be doing freaking helicopter aerials i mean you're talking early 70s Damn. what and so and then there was some unbelievable tube riders back then this guy we used to call magic mark he would just take off and stare at the nose is born hook a turn because i don't know if you guys remember if you surf back then that's a world-class wave and it used to be a lot better even yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah, hollow so, and fast and thick. Yeah, was there a lot of surfers? No, but you know what? The thing that was so neat back then, it's like seems like a lot of the surfers kind of are all doing the same thing back then. Everybody was so seemed more original. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there was just some crazy chargers, and it's weird. I still surf there today, and I'll see these these old guys. I'm like, I'm like yeah, that looks like the guy I knew's grandpa. And then I realize, how I look in the mirror, I go, <laughs> they're looking at me the same way. I get people that they, they paddle by, and they're like. You're that one dude. Is that that old dude that used to be able to ride the tube? Now he's kneeboarding. Yeah, <laughs> sucks getting old. Yeah, and then you know, and and then we we started making our way down the coast, and we'd go surf Salt Creek when it was considered a secret spot. And I used to surf Pelican Point when nobody there was nobody out there. And Pelican Point, have you ever surfed that wave? No. Incoming tide, man. It's it's got three reefs, and it's just a really epic wave. And so we go on. It was a secret spot, man. It's like a. Pelican Point, just right off Pelican Point Road right there. And we'd go surf that place, and we'd go surf all the spots in Laguna. Then we'd finally made our way to Mexico. I think the first time I went, I was like 13. Wow. And I had a buddy who was 16 or 17, had a, Brian Carson. He had a he had a driver's license in a car, and we'd go, we started going to Mexico. So easy back then, huh? Like just didn't? Yeah. No no passport, no nothing. It was kind of scary, though. I remember being really scared, because back then they all, they were, all the, all the all, they all had, they all had you know, M60 or whatever, they all had the, yeah. the, the old rifles. But then, you know, we, we discovered places like Baja Malibu. I mean, we weren't like the originals, yeah. but we, we would surf a lot of Baja Malibu and Popola. And for and then, I, like I was telling you, later on, we'd move to Toto Santos. We started surfing Toto Santos. I'd come back and tell stories of how, you know, I saw 30 foot waves. They're like, yeah, really? Sure. Yeah. And but going back to you, how, how old were you when you were starting to go down to Mex? Like uh, 13. 13. Yeah. That's pretty 73. Young. Yeah, that's pretty young because you have a fourteen-year-old, yeah, right? Yeah, and I have a fourteen-year-old, and you have a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, we would never let them go to Mexico. But by things themselves. were different then. They were. It was awesome. Yeah, but how crazy is life now? Where we think about like shit, the shit that we were doing back then. People yeah. can't do that. Kids can't do that these days. No, you know it's it's dangerous out it's there. It's way dangerous. These and our kids are probably don't have that mentality to like fucking strike it out on their own. You know what I mean? Like that far. No, it's way too <laughs> sketchy these days. Everything for sure. was before the internet. Everything was so. I remember going and you just hear there's supposed to be a swell, and if you got lucky, you got it. Now, now I remember. Going to surf a Popola and, and I, I get it down to the hour. Yeah. You know, put, you know, get the swell right, right on the reports. You know, you knew one, and that takes kind of some yeah. of the fun of the, the old surf trips used yeah. to be. You know, you, you you score and and or you wouldn't. Yeah. And it's just the way it was. So, like, we're parents, right? We're all parents here. How, what were your parents like when when you were growing I, up? I had six kids. I had six kids in I, your I, family. In my family, there were six kids. So my, my, my mom was, I think, 21 when she had six kids running yeah. around because she was, my, my dad 
ditched her back in the day. And then she met a fireman who had three boys. She had me and my sister. They got together and had my other sister, Roxanne, who sadly died last year. She fell off a ladder. It was horrible. Ugh. But uh, yeah, in front of my mom, it was horrible. I just, I just shattered. Nice. But uh, back then, they're like, go. Yeah. Get yeah, out When the street lights come on, return. Yeah. yeah. You know, nobody was monitoring you, anything. You hang out the house, it just gets destroyed. And I, I don't mean just messy. I mean, like, shit breaks and yeah. your liability. Like, yeah, it was, you just oh, wanted man. them out of the house. Oh, yeah. They said you'd get eaten out of the house and home. Yeah. yeah. Talking about Max, like, Chuck Allen, which was the surf, surf coach at Huntington High, I was in, like, my brother was four years older, and they would do a high school like surf team surf trip which was kind of like anybody that wanted to go down there that was in high school and it was camping and firework and you know like you know skyrocket wars and roman candle wars and just yeah yeah like just bad news and i'm like now looking back like you mentioned there's this no way that could fly these days yeah you know we're we're, uh was there some localism going on back in the day you know what's funny i remember i remember bringing uh so we brought surfboards. There was a guy named Tony E, and he had a, he had like the big he he ended up having a uh, like a surf shop, and it was like kind of famous in Rosarito. And we would we would go down there, and we'd bring our old boards and wetsuits and give them to the kids. And so there really wasn't much localism, you know. What and then as it here? went along, what's that? What about up here, like in Newport and Huntington? Did well, you? experience localism from any of the oh yeah are you kidding me Newport back in the punk rock days and stuff you know everybody was local and it's not local anymore but you know you know because you don't know who the hell lives there anymore it's yeah. like Airbnb and everything's all different but back in the day yeah there was there was a localism like I'll give you an example uh, uh, Lance Collins shapes been shaping my surfboards for yeah. 30 years he's he's just I mean I ride longboard now and uh, there's, I, I can do turns on. I think this it's crazy. Double wing swallow stuff. But uh, uh, I remember I ditched my board in front of him at uh, Blackie's, and I was just so scared. Uh, but there's Lance. He's like six five. Just you know, he's just everybody knew. He was just like, you know, he was just he, he was intimidating. Yeah. And I remember he cracked my fin out, and I was like, <laughs> okay, there's my surfing sound for the day. But yeah, I mean, you, back in the day. You got in people's way or didn't anything. There's people getting socked up. People getting their... I, I remember the, uh, this kid got his board shot. One of the locals shot, shot the board uh, into the back of this kid's neck and gave him like a brain yeah. thing or something. I mean... It's it, bad. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was dangerous. It's always yeah. been dangerous. Yeah. yeah. But it's like my mom said, you know, we're all like a half gallon of milk. We got a due date. You know, yeah. whatever's going to happen is going <laughs> to happen. You know, if we all knew what it was, we probably wouldn't leave the house on that day or any other day. You know, you're yeah. afraid to live. Got to yeah. get out there and live. Can't you know? afraid to live. That's why, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. So, so you were inland a little bit. Not, well, not too I, far. I moved. It was funny. I moved. God, I think I was, uh, I was out of the house at like 16. I just, me and my dad were. You know, Football. I just, I was raised in a horrible household. My, I don't know if I can say that my, my dad would kill my animals in front of me and just drown my cats and do horrible stuff. I got beat and stuff when I was little. It was, it was tough. Yeah. Wow. It was tough. He's a psycho. And so, Is this the fireman? you know, and yeah, he was a fireman and, uh, there was some other stuff going on. And one day I stood up and I remember I just, I was like possessed. I go, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like 20 times I'm going, oh my God, my mom's going, you know, my sister, they're all going, yikes. Yeah. And then I stood up. And at the time, I was doing some boxing and stuff, and I was a kid, but I was like, you know, I was I, I was, I was 
fed up. Tough. And I stood up to him, and I remember I threw the first punch and I pulled it back. I, I could have just snapped his jaw. I was a little skinny guy, but I snapped it, and then he hit me. And I, I've been in a lot of fights and a lot of things in my life. I've not been knocked out like that. He, he knocked me out where I was literally seeing stars. And like I could hear, but I couldn't see. I was seeing stars. I came to my mom, my sister on top of me, and he's like, I remember he looked at me, he goes, ah, oh, I've been waiting for this. Wow. And then I just, you know, he just, I just ended up just leaving. And yeah. I was living in the back of cars and living in my sister's garage, wherever I could survive. Tough love, we're yeah. there. Were you working at, by I, that time? I did, I, did I, I started working in a furniture place, delivering furniture, but then I moved, I, I moved to, I finally moved to Costa Mesa. And I think that was like 79. I got, got my first, you know, little, little place. And then uh, it was right behind the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't know if you guys yeah. know what the Cuckoo's Nest was. Yeah. That was the punk rock mecca. That was yeah. like our CBGBs. And so then I, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to Black Flag. I'm going to Circle Jerks. I'm, I'm you know, I mean, I remember just going to this club and just, I saw like he pop. I saw, I mean, just everybody was at that club. You found your calling. You found your, your home. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was like, wow, I really like this, you know? And so that kind of changed my life. And then I had at a balance. 16, punk rock took over your life. That's right. Okay. That's right. Uh, no, 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 no. I was, at that time, I was, I, I would be 19. Okay. 79. I was born in 60. So 1920, I was just like, you know, and then, you know, became so violent and stuff. I saw people get kicked. And, but you weren't, you know, introduced. You've been listening to that music, but that was just a, a venue that you could I've like. I've been a metal guy. I was listening really? to Black Sabbath, man. I was, I was listening to Black Sabbath and, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix and stuff like yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? And then when I saw that, I was like, man, this is something so new. I remember seeing like social distortion playing in front of 10 people. I was like, I have like a hair standing up my neck. I go, well, how come nobody knows about this? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was really neat. But then it got, you know, got so violent and crazy. I was growing my hair back out, listening to Sabbath by, by 82. You know, <laughs> I was already done with punk. You know, so my mom used to say, if you're, if you're going through a cycle twice, you're too old to be doing it. I'm on like my fifth cycle <laughs> with punk rock and metal music so anyway uh, we're going on our like third cycle of <laughs> yeah, we're old yeah and, and, and then after that I shortly after that I moved to I moved to Newport and uh, 3606 Park Lane baby so I started to just that jetty it's just it's a good jetty sometimes that, that's a yeah. good jetty so I, I was parked there for a long time and that was like god probably probably about 79 or 80 and then I, I've been in Newport ever since so I still have a house on uh, uh, 5102 Neptune. I'm That's still it. down there. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I'm still down in the 51st Street. So what were you doing? Like, did you finish high school? No. Nope. You nope. Just never finished high school. And then uh, one of my first jobs was I was running the art department at STS Graphics, which was o Ocean Pacific. I had like, I remember laughing at myself going, God, I'm running this thing and all these people are college graduates. And I never even finished high school. I just said I... <laughs> But it was, it, so I, I started working in the graphic department at o Ocean Pacific at, at, at SCS Graphics, which did all the Ocean Pacific okay. graphics. And then uh, was that in Costa Mesa? No, or? that was in Anaheim. And then, uh, like I said, I went um, after that. I was I got I was smoking weed, being, got caught smoking weed on the job, and I got fired. And then uh, Mike, Michael Thompson hired me at uh, Gotcha, and I went to Gotcha. Jack Denny and yeah, yeah. and a uh, uh, little bit more open-minded there than than yeah. OP, the stuffy it, like corporate. It, OP. It, it, it was it was fun and, and got to be around all those great surfers and artists and stuff like that. 
Well, to, to be able to like work with, you know, that eclectic like group of people that are just, I mean, like gotcha was on fire, yeah. you know, and, and Michael Thompson did back then. Was, sadly, he just passed too, didn't he? Yeah. God, I, I, and then, and then nice just guy. like the surfers rolling through, yeah. you know, Hey, when the waves how, are on, how did going you get that job? I just, it was funny. I just went in there and, and I just said, Hey, I'm, I brought my portfolio and I said, I'd love to do, you know, so I, what, what what do you mean your portfolio? Were you starting to be an artist? Or? Well, I did all. I did a bunch of graphics as well when I worked at Ocean Pacific. On I, that's how I first got my. I started funneling my graphics and and getting some art printed for on the T-shirts and stuff. Oh. So I, I brought the, some of the art that I had done there and brought it in. And Michael Thompson basically hired me on the spot. So how, how did you get into art? Uh, you know what? I've been drawing since I was a little kid, and uh, you know I. I just always was drawing logos and cars and different stuff like that. And then back then, there was a lot of, uh, if you go back to the gotcha stuff and, and the OP stuff, a lot of it was was uh, Xerox art. Where you okay. take like, like Xerox, a bunch of different sizes of like a, a surfer and then have a wave behind it and then do some color stuff around it. And so there was a lot of, I did a lot of Xerox art. You see Volcom really picked up on that and did a lot of the stripes and the, yeah. that's a lot of Xerox stuff. So I started to do a lot of that stuff. And then I, you know, I went off and, and I started a, another company with another guy, which was called Epic. So going back, you move out of high school, your parents' house at 16, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, between then, you, you worked at uh, furniture store. I, I, I did furniture delivery. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then you started working. How'd you get the job at the screen printing place? Well, my uh, a friend of mine... Um, Spencer Barch, he he's the lead singer of a band called Shattered Faith. Oh yeah, I've heard of Shattered yeah, Faith. Yeah, they're good friends of mine. Actually, the guitar player Denny McGehee was my first, my second guitar player after Ray Bones in El Centro. So it's like I was kind of knew all these guys, and and it, Shattered Faith was like a punk band in '77. I mean, they were like the people don't realize that they were around doing punk before anybody, and uh, and I, I Spencer was was running the art department at the time. And uh, he, you know, we were, we were pretty close and, and he hired me to come in. And then one day he just up and quit and I just moved right up into his spot. So did what? you show him like, yeah, your, your, like yeah, your, your artwork or no, drawings? I like, no, no, I just, he just gave me a job. We were doing a lot of uh, uh, color separations and film stuff and, and, and art, art and that together. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We ran the whole department all the way down to the printing. Where you'd have to go and okay the colors, and they had a big giant printing press, and you know it was huge. STS Graphics was probably the biggest printing place around at that time. That's crazy. Yeah, and you you'd never had a like a art nope job, no training, nope. no nope. You didn't bring in a scrapbook, a doodle, nope. or nothing. No, nope. I like... just I just kind of grew into it and just had an opening, and I jumped. You know, I always said if the door opens, you gotta you know gotta go th- walk through it. Yeah. yeah. So, was so that, that, was that any good or just a job? I loved it there. Yeah. I loved it there because, you know, they, when the surf was good, I was able to go surfing, which, but a lot of times I wasn't. I was so used to being up, Dawn Patrol, or my, my favorite, as you can see, my art is evening sessions. I love the afternoon light hue of the afternoon. Uh, I missed a lot of days, but then a lot of times, you know, they'd, if it was really good, they'd go, go, go ahead, go surf. Yeah. Yeah. So you got clipped there for smoking, got caught smoking? I got caught smoking. I was smoking, oh, 
smoking some weed, man. I'm smoking my weed. <laughs> I started smoking weed at 13. Yeah. Stopped at 30. Yeah. So um, from there, you, you just heard about Gotcha. And well, I just got you. It was a big thing. At the yeah, time. it's huge. Yeah, it's and I was amazing. like, I always just I saw the art and I saw the direction. I liked the little, the little weird dude, whatever that shirt sure, man, uh, the Salisbury Productions or whoever that artist was who was doing a lot of the stuff there. That, not even that. Like they were on point and trendy and had killer shit. But they that was like a company you knew like. The yeah. energy, the party, real surfers, the real like the surfers, yeah. like Brad Potter, like, like yeah, Potter, like dude, Martin Potter, all yeah. the guys rolling through there were yeah. like the best of the best. So that well, was like Ocean Pacific and Hang Ten were like the old, you school. know, older yeah. mainstream brands. Yeah, and then you had Quicksilver and you had Gotcha and you had Billabong that were starting to all like coming really up. Volcom come out of Newport, yeah. really too, yeah. right? Like, yeah, most Volcom of it, and, and, and Billabong kind of, I think. Obviously, it started in Australia, but it seemed like it really, you know. And yeah. Obviously, Hurley and all the. So, yeah. uh, you just walked into Gotcha one day and said, "Hey." I walked in and yeah, Thompson, Michael Thompson was that kind of guy. He just, I go, "Hey, I'm a surfer. I do art. I'm pretty good at what I do. I work hard. I'm honest." Now, so just worked at you know one of the biggest you know he, companies he around. Pu- he pushed me right in, and then you know I I was there for I don't know I forget how long. It actually wasn't that long. I ended up starting my own stuff. Right after? Yeah. Yeah. I ended up start- Actually, I started a company called Krabby's. No way. Krabby's Surfwear. Yeah. And it was taking off. And it was going crazy. And I was doing acid wash. I was doing acid wash and puffing. Wow. With a crab. And it was, it was, it was crazy. And like, I was doing that out of my house. And I was living 49th Street. The way it's just so I'll get back to so I'm just going, I'm a musician, I'm gonna I'm gonna do music, I'm gonna do you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do do my clothing and so uh, wait, we you hadn't introduced us into music yet, like when did you were you in a band? I started, or? I, I started first time I ever grabbed a microphone, there's a band called MIA. They're actually back and playing. I uh, friend friends of mine from Las Vegas, Mike Conley and Chris Moon, and they were uh uh I got a I got a warehouse for them, kind of an empty place like this. Friends of mine, and they would they came to jam, and then they didn't have a singer, so I grabbed the microphone, and that's when I first grabbed the microphone. I go, whoa, I got a, and this is like 1980, and I go, man, I got a crazy voice. We're all listening to Black Flag, Circle Jerks, and I go, man, my voice is every bit as heavy as those guys, and so I would be rehearsing, rehearsing, we're going, man, this is this is going good, and then uh, Mike Conley decided he was going to sing. And so I said, all right, I'm out. And so I never even, that was it. And so, but I realized I had this voice and I wanted to do it. And then as I got Epic going, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I skip yeah, around. You got around. Yeah. And then when I got Epic going, I- uh, but, but Krabby's was first? Krabby's was first. And then my, this other guy I knew that I worked with at STS Graphics, he, hit me up and he goes, you got any ideas for a clothing line? Because wow. he was doing a lot of Disneyland stuff and he had this printing thing. And I go, Epic. And so we tried to get Epic and we couldn't get it mm. because of Epic Records. Mm. So I go, Epic Surf. And we got it. And then we started and Epic, Epic got, started taking, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. No. Started, yeah, it started to take off and it started, it really started to get, started really going off really so, good. So going back, and you're, you're young, you're like, 19, 20, 21 yeah. around this. God, how old was I in? No, I'm telling you, I was getting. I can't remember. I, my years are 
are messy. So, so you worked at Gotcha. Yeah. You quit Gotcha and started Krabby's. Started Krabby's. I did that for a while. I started building it up. I was actually going to kids' little stuff. And, and then my friend who worked with me at, at STS Graphics, OP, he hit me up and goes, you got an idea for a name. Mm -hmm. I'll bring you in. We'll be partners. So I came up with Epic Surf. Epic Surf. Yeah. And, and what, what uh, how far did it get to? Like, were you guys making oh, catalogs? It was, it was, it was huge. Trade show? It was, it was huge. We were at trade shows. We were all the trade shows. Huge booth. The whole the whole deal. And then, I, I don't want to talk bad about my partner. He just had a few problems. And, and we ended up not delivering goods on time. He sort of slipped, and then did uh, you did you ever get to launch it or? Oh yeah, it was all it was out everywhere. It was are you kidding me. We had, I had Ray Bones on my team. I had Bud Lomas. We were starting to just build a surf team, skate team. Um, Bud's Bud's career was kind of almost just right about at the end. And I, I think don't, I remember the. I go to, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll get you. I'll get you. I'll get you a thousand bucks a month and put get you you know sea surf pipeline contest and we, we Bud and I would go over to Hawaii and stay at. Uh, uh, you know, underneath Marty Hoffman, I forget. Oh God, what was their name? Anyway, we 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 go over there, and so I, I, I just you know I got back into, you know, I mean I just was so deep in surfing, and yeah. people, uh, God, I can't remember that guy. So, One so the, Epic Surf was a full on. It was big, it got it got big for yeah. a while. And you did you have reps and all? We that? We had everything. Wow. It was it was worldwide. And <laughs> you look it up. It's crazy. It was yeah. worldwide. We were kind of we brought the skulls and we brought the. Uh, you know, we were like bringing all the skulls and skateboarding decks. We were doing skate decks, um, mm. shorts, shirts, everything. It was. It got really. It got really. How gone. long? How many years was it? Uh, it lasted probably four years. Wow. Yeah, and then uh, somebody. It ended up getting sold. Like somehow somebody came in to help, and then pulled some kind of scam. Then I think all of a sudden it was at. I think it was at Kmart. Something crazy, yeah. That's on Etsy. Is that epic? Yeah, that's epic. That's our logo right there. That that, that was yeah. What is that trip. funny? Yeah, we had a volleyball tournament, dude. Yeah, it, we were in all that stuff. It was it was really neat. We did some really neat graphics, kind of groundbreaking. And it was it was you know I mean it lasted so for somebody a, came in and, and said they're going to help us and ended up fucking everything up. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's. And I've heard that so many times with with partners and like what was your role roles there? and yeah I I kind of ran the the all the graphics and the, and the surf team and uh, the skate stuff. team marketing stuff and this was man this is early kind of in the surf era you know kind of early in the in the you know I didn't know what the hell I was doing I was just yeah. What a trip! Epic. I kind of remember it. <laughs> I kind of. It was a little. That. It was yeah. a little because uh, one of the one of the main artists, a couple of the artists that, that we brought over were from OP. So you can see a very OP. Well, look to very it very OP look, but that that looks like Pots right there. Yeah, yeah. And then we had Steve Steve Pizarro, I think was his name. I don't think he's alive anymore, but he was a hell of an artist, man. And uh, he was doing art for us. And so, were you doing music too alongside that? Well, or? this is funny. Uh, this is God, the, my, my, my dates. I'm old, man. My yeah. my timelines get screwed up. But I, like I said, I had I had brought uh, we we brought Ray Bones in um, to, to to you know represent us because we were doing skateboards too. And 
Ray was just, just probably one of the most amazing guitar players. People don't know that. He's like Tony Iommi from Sabbath. He's just a freaking gnarly guitar player. And so he's all, hey, he's all crappy. You should, you know, you, should, you could, you know, we should do something, form a band. And so uh, they had a PA system out in the out in the printing press area, and Ray brought his amp in, and we started doing like Alice Cooper, like eighteen, just a bunch of stupid songs. And then uh, Ray goes, man, we could we could start something here. And so Ray and I started a band called Power Trip, and that thing just. I mean, it was it was crazy. That's a good name. Yeah. Well, some a newer band had lifted it recently. The singer just uh, just passed away, but they they lifted the name, and I was like, oh, that was my that was that was my uh, name. But uh, but so you and me and Ray Bones, Bones me and Ray Bones, Power Trip. We did Power Trip, and it was crazy because back then there was no internet, so it was like we would just put the word out we were playing, and at a warehouse like we do a warehouse like this, somebody let us play. I'd buy a couple of kegs of beer. And there'd be 500 people there. I'm like, wow, this is the way all bands work. You know, because, I mean, just Ray was so, you know, I mean, just, this was some magic in this band. Yeah. And uh, and he's like a famous personality in skateboarding. Yeah, he's just, he's just on a different level. And, yeah. And uh, so we were doing that. And then we just, it didn't last very long. We It was funny. The guy who, who I did Epic with, um, he was really connected in a lot of different stuff. And he was connected with KNAC, the radio station yeah. KNAC. Yeah. And so he goes, hey, I got a way to get, get you guys on the radio. And I'm all, all right, how? And he goes, well, he just started a whole different thing after Epic. It was called 360 Hardware. And it was a, they were printing all the KNAC shirts. And so he was trying to launch KNAC was heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was launching. Was Power Chip more heavy metal? Totally. We were influenced by Zombie and uh, Pantera and stuff Fair. like that. And but so you were already... You'd gone through a punk rock phase. I was done. Yeah. I was done. And I was, my hair was, i show you a picture. I have a crazy picture. <laughs> yeah. I showed you a picture. I had hair like that yeah. too one day. Mine all fell back in the day. You know, mine all <laughs> fell out and grew on my back. It's like it replanted itself. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so Dan, come, Dan, my friend from, from, the, from the Epic and, and the STS days, he goes, I got this connection. I got this way. The guy's a marketing, he was a really good marketing guy. He goes, I got this idea where we could do a commercial with your music uh, for 360 Hardware on 360 Hardware. Okay. And KNC was, was big at the time. And so me and Ray are going, okay, you know, all right, that sounds cool. I go, but I have what, to say. What was 360 Hardware? What? It was just an, another epic. It was like a, but it was a street okay. It was like heavy metal, 360 Hardware. It's like cheesy 90s metal yeah. kind of thing. But it was clothing. Yeah. And so... And so uh, I go, okay, I go, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do it as long as we can uh, say the, our band name. So right during this era, uh, Macho Randy Savage, what was his name? Yeah. No Macho Man! Yeah. Randy Savage Randy was Savage. out there. And so I, I, I always thought, I, I was into the, the wrestling thing and stuff like that. So, so uh, he got us in the studio with a guy named Alan Blazik. I guess the guy worked with the Eagle, a bunch of different bands. But he, he goes, he goes uh, just take one, part of one of your songs and just like, talk over it or something and so we're in the studio and so it's we, playing lightly in the back but you guys are no it's playing heavy in the back <laughs> and it's called corrosion of the brain the song me and ray bones wrote and so he just the, the alan blazik's playing this riff and he goes just say something so i started writing this thing and i go i go wow i go randy said randy said i'm going to do randy savage so i go 
This is Power Trip for 360 Hardware. You tired of trendy yuppies trying to fit in? Step up and be counted. I can still remember what I said. It was, it was crazy. It went nuts. And so we're like, like record labels and people were like hitting us up and and, to, and then we just imploded. Like we'd never keep a drummer. That sucks. It's, like, it's almost like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, you, you almost hit who's the drum? What, what's the funny thing? Uh, uh, well, the drum, the, the funny comic thing where the drummer always implodes. I don't know, but I know it's you, like, you, drummers, drummers, you, you kept yeah. losing drummers. I mean, put, put, you know, you gotta have, you know, good talent and, and everybody's fighting for that, you know, like those play, you know, those drummers or, or well, let players. me tell you, there's something about drummers there. They have like a little almost inferiority thing. And I say it with love cause I love drummers. I've had some <laughs> of the best. I can tell you where my drummers are now. They're in huge spots, but, uh, they're kind of in the back. And they don't get, like, I'm a front man. So everybody's like, oh, it's Krabby. Oh, it's Anton Shadow or whatever the hell it is. You know, and so the guitar player and everybody gets, but the drummer's back there. All you see is hands on the sticks. Yeah. And so, but they are so important. Oh, a yeah. good drummer it can go and just interchange in any band. It's like, I don't want to skip ahead, but two of my, my latest drummers, actually three of them, are gone to huge bands. One of them's playing in the Dead Kennedys now. Wow. The other one's playing in Face to Face. The other one was in the adolescence. That's super talented. And so I, all my drummers, boo, boo, are gone. So that's what happened. We kind of imploded back then. And so, so uh, Power Trip got Power Trip got got disassembled. And I had like I got death threats from people. They loved that band. It was crazy. And I thought that's the way music was. I thought you know you you jo you join a band and every time you play it gets bigger. I found out later that's not the case. Yeah. You know that was a fluke deal, and that that thing had some magic to it. How much do you think Epic surfed? was doing I have no idea I but have was, no idea I didn't I didn't pay that much attention to finance I got a lump sum every month and I he just goes you come up with the name and I'll give you a cut you know yeah. and then he just I mean it, it, it but got, it went on for like three or four years yeah it, it got it got and big. it was globally distributed globally I remember we were in France we were all over the place yeah that's we were, crazy yeah and it, 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 I was like wow man this thing's and really you, you were making all like board shorts board shorts jeans. we were making uh, I don't think there was jeans. It was like shorts, t-shirt. He was really Corduroy. into. He was really into acid. He was acid really into wash. acid wash because it was so huge. But he he found this pl this place that that did colored acid wash, and so we had this acid wash look that nobody had. We had this rust one and this blue and this red, and it was just so cool back then. I mean, it's mm -hmm. cheese ball now when you yeah. think of it. But it'll come. There's Ray Bones. That's yeah. the epic. That's Ray Bones. That's a skate deck. How fucking funny, dude. Yeah, dude, Ray's just Ray's check just out amazing. the logos, amazing. You see, I mean, is that crazy? Yeah, I'm just trying to recognize because I, I, I'm almost positive I remember it on Bud's board. Yeah, at one point. Yeah, those that logo has been ripped off by so many people. So, so after Epic, after Power Trip, what, what, what did you do? Well, I started to, um, I started another band that was that was uh, called El Centro. And it was funny because Ray Bones was my original guitar player, and uh, and we started writing this music, and and then Ray got pulled into Gabby Gaborno did this band called the X Members, and they they like started to really blow up. But uh, you know Ray was straight up with me. He goes, "Hey man," he goes, "Like we're going on tour with No Doubt." You know, and I go, "Well, we're not." Yeah. And so I called Denny up who's a close friend of mine, the guitar player from Shattered Faith. And I go, Denny, I go, I'm working on this thing. 
We got a garage. I put a bunch of carpet up in it. We got a studio on the beach. We surf as we'd surf and go play music and go surf and smoke weed and have our chicks around. And we were like rock stars you know, on the beach. Yeah. And everybody, neighbors would come and listen to us practice and stuff. So wait. But Denny came. Denny came down and, and joined the band. And then who started El Centro? You did. I did. Okay. Me and Ray Bones. Okay. And but he uh, left you. He you left. Know. He left uh, honorably. And, and and El Centro was what kind of music? Punk rock. Punk rock and reggae. We were originally. I was when I first started. Like I just found my demo tape. I like. I, I'll, I'll get you a copy. It's crazy. It was. It was. It was really good. I was more influenced by hardcore. And then when Denny came in, he was a melodic guy. It's like. Shattered Faith was very melodic, very much, I believe, Bad Religion, kind of the same flavor as Bad Religion, melodic punk, which back in the day, people were like, oh, these guys are lame. You know, they're, they're singing melody because they're, whoa, 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 you know? Yeah. And, 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 and so Denny came in, he goes, man, we got to, you know, let's write some more melodic stuff. And, and you, so, who, who did the writing? Like, you I did all the writing. I, did, I wrote all, the, all, all of it. I read all the lyrics, put all the songs together, all of it. And so... Um, we started doing that, and then El Centro just. Did you study? No, like, no. Nothing. I read. I read a book on the Rolling Stones. I read a book on the Beatles. I learned music structure, and that's the thing that drove everybody crazy. People don't realize how important it is to have three choruses and a bridge. You want the bridge takes you away from this and drops you back into it. And so, you know, I always tell Take people to the bridge. I, exactly. And so I always tell people that the chorus is the subject. And the verse is discussing the subject. Hmm. You take like Stone Temple Pilots. One time a thing occurred. Is it me? Is it me? You know what I mean? If you yeah. think that's just like the most perfect structured song. And so if you if you deconstruct structure, you realize that the chorus, you got to yell at them with the chorus and then drop back in and tell the story. The Beatles did it. All the stones, all the songs that stood the test of time. So I just started studying the, the best guys out there and I would... You know, just try to mimic as much as I could. I was heavily into the Clash, and the, and I love the way the Clash did reggae music. And so, like, I was spending a lot of time in Fiji and a lot of time in the tropics listening to reggae music. And I remember one day I go, I told the guys, I go, I want to do a, let's do a reggae song. And this is early on. Yeah. And they're like, What are you, Crab Marley? I remember <laughs> my bass player goes, What are you, Crab Marley? What are you supposed to be now you're Marley? I go, Man, look, I go, Look at bands like some, look at these, look at the Clash. Yeah. They did. They did, Daddy was a bank robber who never... No, I mean, they did this the soul that was in The Clash. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, well, brought, they brought... And if you look back, you know, reggae music is so important. You know, you look back and you look at, like, who brought Bob Marley? I think it was uh, Eric Clapton. He did I Shot the Sheriff. But he went and discovered Bob Marley and then brought him over and let him... You know, these wow. guys, the yeah. big stars, said, man, reggae is something big. So I started, I started saying, hey, let's do some reggae music. And you know uh, that was almost blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. and people like crap. And then so I remember the first time we broke out. I just got back from Fiji, and because uh, oh, when when you think about like longboarding and shortboarding and yeah. skateboarding and against surfing, like there's like clashes between those you know different types of I guess point of view, right? Oh yeah, like, totally. Rock and roll and punk rock. Those are two. It's, it's different. They it's were different. against each other, though. Like the hippies versus the skinheads. Well, totally, right? totally. We used to fight. All, we used to, have to fight all the time. Just walk into the cuckoo's nest. Right. Get a bunch of wrestlers would jump out. And we'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Know? But that's like, you know, 
back then there was a separation of, of music tastes and and looks and like you knew who were who. Yeah, They're just based oh, on we had blue hair or mohawk and fish hooks hanging out of yeah. my ears. You know what I mean? It was my, <laughs> that was the real days. Yeah, because yeah. uh, like the early '80s, '90s, like there's such a music explosion, right? Like the new wave, like those were the best rockabilly. Of, those were the best of times. There hasn't like, been an era like that. There never ever. will be. Yeah. I'm, do you remember hearing we, we were we had mohawks and, and straight cats came out? I'm like. I go, man, I like this shit. People are like, dude, you're lame, man. Let's yeah, put some black flag on. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I remember uh, when I started learning about punk rock, right? And you're thinking, oh shit, is is Oingo Boingo punk rock? No, oh, no, no, because New Wave was yeah. kind of, You're like, well, they got weird hair. They got a leopard skin t-shirt on, so they got to be punk rock. No, yeah. I know what you mean. It was and a I word. remember buying a t-shirt that said, black flag kills ants. On dead. contact, or you shed on contact, or something like that, right? And you know what that was? For black Adam flag ants. Was for Adam and the ants. Yeah. I have that shirt. Yeah, it said "Black flag kills oh, ants oh, dead." Yeah, wow. Because yeah. that was I, that was that dude. Black flag the, played all the, the time. The music, yeah. you know, there was uh, rivalry and like you know, they there was antagonists. Like punk rock was a fuck you. Yeah, punk rock was like against fuck, the system. Fuck, fuck all of the fuck every kind yeah. of music. Yeah, and and like reggae and like. You know, Sky and mods, like all those people, they weren't really meshed, meshing. Oh, oh no. Until like Sublime and like, you know, Similar that era like that. Of, of like music where it's all started kind of mixing together, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, Sublime really broke a lot of a lot of ground down, you know. Like you'd go to a Sublime show and they'd rip the place down with a punk rock song and then you'd come in with reggae. You yeah. know, and, and so so going back to you. You, you formed El Centro, mm-hmm. but Ray Bones isn't part of it. It was you and... Denny McGahee from Shattered Faith. Okay. Shattered Faith's still out there ripping it up. Great. Just one of my best friends in life. And, and were you guys able to make like money touring or playing or... Well, this is where we ran into a problem. I had every opportunity in the world. Like I said, we did Warped Tours, our music. I got, I got on movies, television, radio, MTV. Uh... I had the opportunity to... With El Centro? Yeah. To, to uh, like I said, we did CSI Miami. We With El Centro? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Tony Hawkins, his first acting debut. He's skate. People call me, go, no denials is on the CSI Miami, right? Tony Hawk. I was like, oh, back then I was like, oh, all right, cool. You know, I worked hard. I expected stuff like that. What year was this? Like mid-90s? No, it had to be... Right around 2002, right around the bombing time. I had a lot of breaks during that time. You know, a lot of focus was on us. And so, like, we, our music got used on the ESPN Music Awards. And, and I was like, you know, I didn't, I was, I got, I, I was so, like, dinged up that I just, people were like, oh, you guys are on, you know, uh, uh, Lincoln Park just came out to your song or whatever. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I couldn't hear, couldn't think. I was like, cool, you know. So yeah, we El Centro got a lot of breaks. But the thing was, here I am. I was so addicted to Mexico at the time, and I, I just had it so wired. I just two hours I was surfing this reef break, which is pristine with kelp. Just it could be white capped, and this place is just glassy, perfect peaks. And so I'm just like I'm addicted to surfing, you know. And so here I am living on the beach in Newport. I got this band that's ready to blow up, and. Uh, and you're well, gonna, I, you're I, well, I want, I, no, I want to be 
the local hero, I don't want to get on a bus for five years to make it. And that's, you know, that's my decision. I decided I want to surf and have fun and live on the beach and go pick and choose warp tour shows and, and just be what it was. I never really wanted to be a rock star. I just love, I love music. I love to get up on stage and I love, you know, people, I'd get people going, you know, I, I played your song at my dad's eulogy. I, I, we got married to your song. I was like, whoa, you know, that's, that's kind of neat. You yeah, know, that's really and cool. so I, so I chose surfing over my music career. You know, well, you're, you're mixing business with pleasure. Absolutely. Right? Like, I wanted to have the best. I could be a local rock star and I could still get, fun. still get the, still ride the tube just and I was just like, I so, love to Well, you didn't want it to become a full job because no, that's I taken didn't. away from. And I never really wanted to be a rock star. Yeah. I just didn't. And, did, and did you have another job after that? After Epic? Uh, I won't talk about the jobs I was doing during this time. <laughs> I was making a ton of money. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. leave it there. Moving we'll on. Yeah. Yeah. It, put it this way. It was very lucrative times back then. You're in distribution. Yeah. 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 I made. Uh, I made. I, I made a nice, honest living. Yeah. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Being a distributor is, it's not, you know, hey man, I, it's I, got a lot of risk, but you know, you got a lot of, yeah, uh, a lot of rewards or a lot of rewards. Yeah. So let's so say so you kept going. Did that right. for a little bit and making music. <laughs> Quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when did you, was all of your creative like art, like focused on like t-shirt graphics and stuff or were you starting to do other like well you know i did stuff like i did like a i designed tattoo this is like my tattoo for the uprising yeah i, I designed stuff like this i would and then uh you know i'd done so much t-shirt and stuff i still do as a matter of fact i i'm lucky enough to are you guys familiar with 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 jimbo phillips yeah okay his son is is a super sweetheart he's just like jimbo phillips is that santa his cruz? son is santa cruz yeah his son is just every bit what he is but he's like He's like a fan of our music and stuff like that. And so like, he did a lot of our graphics and different stuff like that. But I did a lot of, uh, I do a lot of uh, uh, band, our band graphics and stuff like yeah. that. And so, yeah, and then, you know, as far as, you know, I don't know if you're ready to skip ahead to that, but as far as that that goes, painting, stuff like that. Well, that's yeah, what I was like, you know, what kind of mediums are you painting on? Because back then you were like, hey, it's, Business T-shirts, like you know, that's right. Bands, that's right. Doing artwork for that's your right. guys' band posters and, and events, and yeah. And then, aside from the business that we can't talk about, you you were making money with El Centro. Yeah, yeah. I, I would get, you know, like uh, that intersection movie. I think we got like ten thousand dollars for that. You know, we got. Uh, I was getting three, four, five thousand. I was getting checks all the time from ASCAP for the Viva La Bam and. You know, the, the, those were coming in pretty good. So, so you know? let's, let's, we're kind of skipping around, but yeah. inter, Intersection. Welcome to my world. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. But Intersection was... A movie for, by Taylor Steele. Yeah. And the best part got $100,000. Yeah. And the, the, it had to be paired with us. They, they, the, the surfer, the videographer, whoever and got the to put their own, and the music, they got to put their own part within the movie. So yeah. Taylor was the blanket. You know, supporter and creator, yeah. and then everybody, everybody submitted their. I still don't. Even, I still don't even know which surfer we had, but I know we made some money on that. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll have to research on on yeah, which. Uh, Skip, Skip, and I were kind of looking. I'm like, well, I looked. I I looked up. It was um, Miola. Was Mark? it Mark Miola? I that. Mike. Mike. Mike Miola. Matt. Matt. Matt, Matt Miola. Yeah, one of those. From Maui. Maui. 
Yeah. Matt Miola from Maui. Maui. Maui <laughs> I think there's a there's a few different intersections, isn't there? But there are. There's yeah. like yeah, that was the first one maybe. Orange, orange intersection, orange something. I yeah. I don't know. I gotta yeah. We gotta check it out because those when those came out, they were freaking badass. I, I mean, I heard that was a, that was like one of the most expensive surf movies that that, that was made. Oh, time. I bet. Yeah. I, I think it really helped Matt Miola like get solidified back into surfing and get sponsors. So. Definitely. Yeah. We a, got a nice little chunk on that one. I don't know how the content. I didn't pay attention to it. I just got money, and yeah. I was like, I didn't even really use my song. Cool. All right. Yeah. I was just. I, I mean, I was excited to have my music so, out there. It kind of. I can't. I can't. I'm one of those guys that it's hard for me to go back and listen to my own music. I kind of cringe. So during El Centro, you, you guys were doing the Warp Tour. Yeah, we got to pick and shoot. We got some, we, we were pretty spoiled. Kevin Lima was really nice to us. He'd, he'd give us like little spurts. We'd go for a week, and then we'd go back home. And just he'd just give us you know. We, so over the years, we got to just do wherever you wanted to go. Well, not wherever we wanted to, wherever he wanted us to go. But yeah. he he would he'd just go, hey, this is where you're going. Yeah. And so we got to. I mean, we were on the same tour when Eminem was just breaking. Wow. We were on the same tour with Kid Rock. We were on the tour when. Uh, God, so many of the so many big bands were, were breaking, you know. Uh, but what a fun! I mean, to go and guess work, like yeah. you said, mix business with pleasure. Like the work tour was, you can only imagine. Like, you know, you got your set, and you got to, you know, obviously, you know, fill your slot. But everything around within that yeah. few days or a week or whatever has got to be incredible. We actually had uh, Jared from the Dirty Heads on. Uh, we played we played with the Dirty Heads when they were first starting. Yeah, in, in uh, Arizona. Yeah, and he was telling us though it's like you know, you don't know when you're going to go on until they tell you, and you could be on at ten o'clock in the morning or you know, prime time at five or six at night, yeah. or you could be going on at the same time Pennywise is right on a like different stage because you go you go and you look at different stages and you go Pennywise uh, seven o'clock, else you're like yikes yeah so it's yeah. a luck of the draw <laughs> and then sometimes like one one day Kevin goes. Uh, you guys are coming on right before Rancid. Ooh. I go, what? <laughs> and I mean, it was like, I think it was a Metrodome or the Houston, it was somewhere in Texas and it was, everybody was piled up to see Rancid and we're like, we're out there going, whoa, man, that's big, man. Yeah. That was, that was, that was one of the bigger things we've done. How you know? Yeah. I mean, you're talking like 50,000. You're talking just, like, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know how much, but it was just big. It was big. You know? at, at big stadiums. and Yeah. Big yeah. stadiums. How was how was that getting up for that? You know what's weird? I'm more intimidated by a small crowd with my friends going like this, because <laughs> because like people are going, dude, you kind of yeah, I don't know, you kind of tough critics. Oh yeah, versus people doing and, and I'm, deaf, I'm deaf, so I'm just like I'm like, dude, try try doing what I do, period. Let alone having about thirty percent hearing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So so you were comfortable, living comfortably, very comfortable. Touring and living in Newport. Surfing. Yeah. Got your girls. You got your money. You got your cars. Got my '68 Impala. I got my my little Volkswagen thing with the 2180 motor in it. You know, I got all. It was fun. It yeah. was a great time. It was a great time. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to talk about it, but offline, you're talking about drugs. Yeah. And how you got into. Yeah, I I I went through. Uh, you know, at one point I was I was on heroin, you know, and I had a problem with it. I collapsed my veins and coke and heroin together, and I was into horrible times. Like I was telling you that one time, I was 
in a house one one time where I shared a needle with 25 or 30 people. It was just it was just that was kind of a punk rock thing, you know. And then you know we were you know we did crack all kinds of crap. But then uh, I kind of got back into it later, and it was kind of a like not many people. I was like a functioning. Uh, yeah, went from a full acceptable social, you know, party scene to later. Well, to where it's like, dude, how can you, you can't function in regular life being yeah. on such a dangerous you know, drug. Well, they, they say that heroin is the most powerful drug. Like, your chances of, of re, re, uh, rehabilitating from that are next to, next I to think, no, right? The thing I think about heroin, I think the reason why you go through such harder withdrawals is because it leaves your body quicker than weed or or coke it, it, would. It's yeah. like, and so, it so it's like, so it's just it, your body's going, dude, dude, get, you yeah. know, you got, you got to, you got to have some more. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, I, I, I've done some, not as gnarly as that, ever, but it trips me out. Like when you see when you see like documentaries and stuff, and you watch people shoot up. And their the way their their body gets like just comatose, like instantly. yeah, and their right. faces like you know their eyes go in the back of their head, and then they're just like a zombie, a zombie, and you just look at that and you're like, where the what's the fun in that? But all in the head. But but if you mix coke with it, <laughs> there's the difference. You get you get that you get that but you get, coke, the, you get, the you get that jelly. really that really buzzy coke thing. Then you just go yeah, just chill. That's what got Belushi. That's it. What it does is it monkey fucks your heart. You know, your heart's going, do, 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 you know? Yeah. And so it, it, it's very dangerous. Throws it out, out of people. Rhythm. And then the thing about, about heroin as well is, is uh, it cleans out your body so quick. People that quit and then they go, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do one tonight. I'm, I'm going to party. And then they do it. And and then they no they die. Oh, and now there's fentanyl in it, and it's just yeah, it's just it's it's a horrible thing. I look back. How'd you live through that? Right? You know, I just I and I had such a I had such a horrible childhood. Like like I told you before, I I wanted to die a lot of my life. I didn't care. You know, I was abused. I was molested. I had a lot of horrible stuff happen to me when I was little. So, and it's kind of funny that you bring that, but. But that I built a mechanism when I was a child from this stuff happening that saved my life later on, and we'll get to that. That's I so built a shut off to where I could not be crabby, I could not be Steve, and I, I could get out of my body and just let what happened happen, and I'm over here. It's a mental thing that I initiated when I was a child. But you didn't realize it then. But no, but later in life, save my life later. That's yeah, so yeah. wild. I mean, talking about like I know some, you know, high. Functioning. You know, functioning like drug addicts. Yeah. You know, where they, you know, you, you know, talking like people with big responsibilities and people that have like high stress and, you know, and you wonder why they would do it. But then it's like, I mean, that's why drugs are so prevalent. You know, it's like you can I mean, there's certain personalities like, I mean, there's people that drink and you know they're shitty drunks or they're just like luscious and happy. Or, you know, and then there's, you know, same thing with any narcotic or, you know, bad drugs, you know, like yeah. it depends, but it's all in moderation. And I, I mean, the, the stronger the hardcore drug, the, yeah. you know, the crazier it is to kick. Not that I've done it, you know. Yeah. What you told us, sharing needles with fucking 20, 30 
other people. Like, yeah, I don't know how dead. I didn't get. You oh, should like, be dead. They didn't even wear condoms back. They didn't even know what a condom was yeah, back I mean, in the day. Back then, uh, <laughs> AIDS. I, if I wore one, I'd do like this in between. <laughs> like AIDS was going crazy back. Yeah, probably back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, it and, was. And we just our mantra was live fast, die young. I thought I told you I got to thirty. I, I go, I'm gonna die by thirty. I'm gonna die by forty. I'll be yeah. dead by fifty. I'm sixty-two. I'm like here I am, and now I want to live. Yeah. yeah. Back then I didn't care. I was so damaged from being a child, you know, from all this so, childhood trauma. So you, you know, going back to surfing. Yeah. You got to travel the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Comfortably. I mean, scrapbook. You're talking. You know, Mex and mainland and cloud the, break, and the cloud break, Tavarua, Nicaragua. Yeah, everywhere, everywhere. I, Wherever I, there was a good left, you, you go backside. You ever go uh, on any right? I I, I, I surf. I surf. I surf a lot of big totos and yeah. Calafi is one of my favorite breaks too. But yeah, growing up in Newport, it's mostly all lefts. You yeah. know, and so I'm. I was just like, you know, I was just like, yeah. Two, two lefts. Couple. My, my name. My nickname before 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 Krabby was called Rivermouth. They called me because I was always at the Rivermouth, just in the barrel. Or they call me Caveman. Caveman Crab. <laughs> Because I was always in the chair. Carrying a deep voice. Hey, hey, hey! I'm sorry. Oh, I got a strong voice. See, how I'm deaf, and so my voice got strong. You just blew our listeners' eardrums out. I think I did. Sorry. All right, Lyndon does that all the time. Sorry. Sorry. I don't, sometimes I don't realize how strong my voice is. Yeah. So, uh, that life that you were leading was so fucking, like, crazy. It was insane. You're in and a and you're a in band, band Newport. Like. You're in a band traveling all across. Did you go like out of the country with Warp Tour too? No, or? you know I never went out of the country. I did. We did. We'd be in Florida. We'd be in Ohio. You know, just we'd get little clusters and we'd go fly there and go play and then go go do a little cluster and then get back, go back home and then you know be local heroes here. Yeah. Yeah, so I never, all like I said, all my all I've always lost all my drummers and they all every all my players get to go. I always want to go to Europe. I've never been to Europe to play. I would, that's the one thing I wanted to do. I haven't been able to do. Yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to play in Europe. Let's get the band back together. Hey, you're only yeah. sixty, so I'm yeah. still. I, I'm playing tomorrow night. Epic. I'm playing tomorrow night. Don't kid yourself. I'm so like, stay young. You're, you're you're surfing all around the world, exotic places. That's right. All right. So, and work was just. Yeah, was, surfing I, and I wasn't. Let's put it this way: I had fuck you money. Wow, travel. Let's yeah. go. So my life was was surf. Was it quick strike? Get back. Focus. Focus on music. Uh, did you did you ever sign up with a record label? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Finger Records. We uh, yeah we signed with Finger Records. Um, and that when we were doing Power Trip back in the early day, we had the big guys coming after us, and then me and Ray just imploded. It was just just one of those things. We had, I mean, you're talking about electric, big, big labels and stuff. I mean, you know, the parallels of like, we talk about our industry and starting brands and, you know, you have partners and, and then, you know, we hear we've interviewed a few different, you know, musicians or artists and stuff. And it seems, you know, like having, you got to have talent, such a, yeah, you got to have such a, a click and a shared responsibility of like, you know, what everybody's tackling. I mean, you got to have it, like you said, good drummer. You got to have a lead singer. Yeah, you I mean, also you have gotta to have a good, you know, bass player, guitar player, or, you know, whatever, however extensive it is. But it's like to keep that nucleus like tight has got to be the hardest, so hard because that the head egos. The hardest thing is, and me being the band leader always, and on all in all the bands, is 
you got to have a republic. You know, you got to have a democracy. You know, somebody goes, hey, you know. Contribute. Well, no, I'd, I'd like to do, like we're doing a cover band right now. I'm just having a blast doing this cover band. We're doing all 80s covers right now. And, uh, you know, guys are like, you know, let's do uh, Turning Japanese. I'm like, ugh, ugh. You know, but you got, you know, yeah. you, 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 I can't, go, be I can't go, hey, I'm going to do everything. I mean, because we do everything from Black Flag to Bob Marley. Right in the middle of set, I'll do Get Up, Stand Up. You know, and people are like, what the hell? Yeah. But you have to, you have to listen to people. It's like having five fucking girlfriends. <laughs> True, it is. You're right. And so yeah. you have to, yeah. you, you can't be an idiot and, yeah. and try to control everybody's thoughts. Me, You've me, got me. to let, when somebody wants to talk, and you'll find if you don't let them, they're yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. They're but gone. the secret is letting them think they're in control gives you just like with women yeah. <laughs> I always say it's like blow up a balloon you know you let it get too big and it's just so like this you gotta deflate them a little bit at a time shh and then go big you gotta be squishy you gotta be tight the ultimate control is letting them think they have control yeah that's well, right because you're in control yeah well there's, we like to think we well, there's, yeah. yeah there's there's personalities that you know thrive and are successful in that that helm and that like you know and then there's but their supporting cast are sometimes equally as important, you know, I could delegate and, and, you know, but I like your analogy of, you know, it's like five democracy and five girlfriends, you, like, you know, so you everybody, you know, you everybody's got to be, you can't bring your negative energy from, from your life into the room. Yeah, this when, is your when home. you're in the room, everybody's going to have fun. I had, I, had, I had guys tell me last week in the band, they're like, if I'm not having fun, I don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. yeah. And so you got to get in there and have fun. I go, go noodle, play a blues jam for an hour. You yeah. know, do whatever you guys want to. So going back to you living with FU money, did you think of like starting another brand after Epic? No. You know, I kept thinking. Because you were right there. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I kept thinking, you know. Uh, I, you know and also, sorry to interrupt, but. On top of that, like, were you making, were you making money selling band uh, merch? And merch, you know what? I was, I'm the biggest fool on earth because I would go and I, I'm known for just giving like, stuff away. The way I looked at it back then, T-shirts were three bucks. I go, you're a walking totem pole. You're yeah. a walking billboard. A uh, billboard. Yeah. And yeah. so I would throw out twenty shirts, yeah. and people would be wearing my shirts everywhere. So I wasn't too worried about. I, I just like I said because you had I had enough money yeah. I've never been my, I've never been driven by money I just never yeah. have been yeah. and God's kind to me he always makes sure that I'm okay and yeah. and I've just never been that greedy guy you know yeah. and, and that so and, and it doesn't make it fun if, if you're having to sell X amount of t-shirts at every show just to make it happen then that's not fun either yeah. you know like well, you're it's a it's some people have to do that. I know, you know? and that's why I brought it up. Absolutely, you, absolutely. You know, like they, they but he's in a position that, and he has that background yeah. of like t-shirt right. graphics that's what I'm and saying. shirts, like, and like you think it'd well, be a no-brainer. I'm actually a, a really good salesman. When we just uh, our, our the last tour I did, it's been quite a few years, but we toured with a band called the Dwarves. They are such great, great guys. Black Dally is just I love this guy. I just went and saw him do acoustic jam the other night. He's funny, but uh, we were getting two hundred bucks a night. Two hundred tour, bucks, bucks a night to play, and I would sell five or six hundred dollars worth of merchandise. I right as soon as I get off stage, I'd sit down and and yeah. talk to people. I'm like, man, you're gonna go buy a Big Mac tomorrow. 
buy a fucking t-shirt. Buy, yeah. buy Support a us a little that. bit. Yeah. And so I learned to, to do a lot of good marketing. Yeah. Because the business that I used to be in is not so lucrative anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny when... The less I tried back then, the more I got. Yeah. Now I'm going, okay, I really want to do all this stuff. And it's like... Isn't it crazy when the when gears you, don't how that happens? Where where the it's like with a girl, right? Yeah, you try like, too hard and you lose. You try too hard, you show too much tension. It shows like that uh, desperation, right? Yeah. Like they can smell desperation and they get turned off by it. Yeah, they want some itch. Different fucking give a shit. Yeah, cool. Like you know, I got swagger. Wait, like, what, you know, I, what's I, your I name got, again? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. They, <laughs> To be honest with you, they, they kind of like the bad guy. Yeah. But they want to lock down with the good guy. Yeah. But the good guy's usually boring. Yeah. The bad guy's like, you know, they buy That's why I'm so fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be bad. I'm the, I'm the worst. I'm the baddest good guy you know. You remind me of No, you, you look like, you like your, your manners are like. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a full dick sweetheart. <laughs> I'm an asshole. That's it. Yeah. You've got. I remember I said to my girl, I go, I go, what if I showed up at work and brought you flowers every day and checked your phone all the time? She goes, I'd dump you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't want to, they, I, they don't want to be following track. No, they don't give a shit. Don't yeah. do what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the difference between wanting to go to school yeah. and having to go to school. Yeah. yeah. Spontaneity, so, like, or, you know, spontaneity. I don't even know how I spontaneity. Spontaneity. But, but like, you know, giving a flower is, you know, every once in a while, you yeah. appreciate it. But if it's like, you know, expected, it's, it's boring, you got to be... No, because you'll throw up in your mouth. Yeah, you'll throw up in the mouth yeah. a little bit every time you come around. You're yeah. like, hey, yeah. I really like you a lot. They're like, beat it, you goober. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. true. I want a good so, bottle of wine or a nice dinner. Okay, so, um, your best friend became your manager. Right? Yeah. Steve, yeah, Steve Webster. Stephen Brooks Webster. Yep. And how did you guys meet? It's funny. We were, uh, we always called him Instabro because I, I remember we were, at, we were at the Pink Cadillac in Honolulu and Mark Potter comes walking. Mark Potter and I kind of look, I had the long hair. We all look kind of, and, and Steve would come up and go, Martin, what's up? He'd be like, hey. And Steve would go, well, my name's Steve Webster. I work for Offshore. He, he was a sales guy in Offshore. And he'd go, my name's Steve, I, I love your story, I follow you. And so we call him Instabro. So he would, the thing with so him is he, he, would, he would always, he knew people from afar and he studied people and then he'd make his move and he was such a smooth talker. He was a sales rep guy. And so he was really smooth, really just a fabulous guy and a great surfer. But uh, is he from it, Newport? Too? Yeah, yeah. And it was funny because um, I kind of knew of him. And I just thought he was kind of stink bug in the tube, you know. I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm standing up like like this, and he's kind of, and, it's, and so I, I always thought he's kind of kook. I don't know. And uh, that's what I think of. But you met him in the water. So one day, so one day, yeah, we met him in the water. I met him in the water, and it was just, it was weird. It was, I think it was like Columbus Day or something. Fourth, it was a, it was a, it was like a, a man crush it, at it, first sight. <laughs> but there was some weird swell from off of Japan. That was like a straight west. Ooh. I, and I've only seen a few of them. And it was just triangles. Sheet glass A frames before they screwed the sand up out in front of my house. They're trudging and it's not the same. It's not the same. But I remember just getting just dry barrel after dry barrel. And I was going left and he was going right. And then we'd kick out. And I'd, be, I'd be like, I'd be screaming at each other in the tube and just, just kick out. And how old were you guys? 
God, I, I was probably 30. I was probably So 30. you guys didn't meet until later on yeah. in life? Yeah. Okay. And so... And he was a rep for Offshore. Yeah. Okay. And so I was probably 28 or 29, you know, right around there. But you've seen him out in the water. You didn't know the face. You know who he is, but you just don't... You're not. You yeah. Know, yeah. And, and, and I'll put it this way. I met and him. You were in El Centro? I was in Power Trip. Power Trip. When we met. And I got just found pictures of him wearing big belt buckles and his hair is funny. But... Uh, yeah, and so he had already heard, he'd already, he he kind of idolized Ray Bones, and he heard, and like, we were the talk of the area, you know, we're like, every place we played was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and so he was, he insta-broed me, and we, we just... Who coined that name, nickname from? Jeff Parker. Yes. <laughs> Jeff Parker's my, another good friend of mine. Jeff Parker, <laughs> I see him all the time, we, we, we talk all the time. Epic. So, I remember he got the cover of surfing, I was like, damn, dude, you got the cover! But, uh... Yeah, that was Preston Murray, Danny Kwok. Oh, yeah. Jeff Parker. John, John uh, Gothard. John Gothard. Yeah. Remember, he kind of had those, he was like, oh, the write off 50, 51st or 54th. Yeah. yeah. Remember when he used to get cut off there? But yes. that's how we met. And then he's like, he used to talk like, he talked like an AM DJ. Well, Krabby, you know, I can really do a lot for your band. You guys are a bunch of jack offs. You know, you're out there playing backyard parties. You guys could be playing the big shows and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so. He, he, but did he, he was he in music? No. This is <laughs> no, he don't make it till you make no, it. No, he goes no, he was just an insta bro, so he just dug around over, he started getting us in videos, start getting us on shows and uh, uh but his job or occupation was he, at that time he, he worked for at offshore. Then he started his own company which was a uh, environmental uh, cleanup company. And it was really good. Like that's he'd, cool. He'd do gas stations that you know where the where the grounds polluted from gas or asbestos cleanup and all this other stuff. And so trip. he was in doing. He was just coming out of offshore and doing environmental cleanup. And he's he's like, hey, I'm going to help you guys. I go, what are you going to do? You know, it sounds like you're. Uh, we're not going to sell five hundred t five hundred dollars worth of t-shirts. We're going to sell a thousand. Yeah, and you so know, we're going to do this. We're going to get this. So he started up, opening a lot of doors for us, and and we, you know, him and I served. All over the world together and uh, mm -hmm. spent a lot of time together. It was weird because we were like the odd couple. You know, here I'm this guy with a mohawk and a wallet chain and, you know, just known as just kind of being a grubby punk around the golf course. We played Crabby. golf. Yeah, we're all playing. And he's got his, his little logo embroidered on his shirts and all of his friends are yuppies. It was like I was like the Summer George or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, so, uh, I'm funny, I just the, ran odd, the today. full on odd couple. He was yeah. the, the he was the guy, guy, and he'd be like, "Grubby, you're going." He goes, "One of three things is going to happen. You're going to you're going to die, go to jail, or whatever." He just he had these three things. I'm like, I was like, "All right, all right, all right," he, you know. And so he really worked on. He really wanted to, uh, you know, get me to straighten out my act and and actually make something of the band, huh? And so he said to you, "Hey, here's my plan. I'm gonna get you." Yeah, yeah. And so he started, he started. He started. He got us on some videos and started, you know, helping us a lot, doing stuff. And uh, the connections really started to open. And uh, his main thing was he wanted me to get me to quit being, you know, drinking myself to death and doing yeah. all the do all the drugs. I don't know how I, I don't know how I made it through. It was, yeah. it was dumb, dumb. So. But you're here, and so, you're telling about it, right. and you're helping others. So that's he right. wanted to, he, he did that other business with the environmental cleanup stuff, but then he said, hey, I think I can help you guys. That's right. Become more of a, 
uh, an entertainment company. That's right. And get off the roof parties, backyard parties, yeah. and get on the big stage. He always believed in us, you know, and he, he's like, you got to write that one song. So when he, when he said that, what, what was your like, did he say, hey, you know, look at these guys. These, this is what these guys. That's what he did. Doing. He goes. He goes. Look at social distortion. He goes. They were playing the cuckoo's nest. He goes. Now they're playing the palladium. Yeah. And it was funny because, in the in my script, I just wrote that it, it, it's part of him saying that he goes. Social distortion went from playing the cuckoo's nest to palladium. I always wanted to play the palladium. We played the palladium, sold out with Bad Religion. Wow. Which yeah. I'll get to later. Yeah. But Bad Religion's really helped me a lot. So the, so he right came now. into your life, trying to get you more organized. Get me clean. Get me straightened out. Yeah. Yeah. So he wanted to really help you get clean too. He's your little yeah. guardian angel, man. Yeah. So, so, so it's very hard on me. This is very, very hard thing for me to yeah. lose him. So right. what? What? Uh, at that time was at that time when you were doing all the, all the. Yeah, I was. I was a closet weirdo. You know, doing a bunch of weird stuff. You know, just, just that at that time there probably wasn't any drug I wouldn't do. You know, I was like, like I said, I just expected to be dead, and then I, I overdosed several times, and I was like, somehow I came back. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. It's Overdo- like overdose heroin. I was. I remember to the hospital I remember, or just no, uh, no. I just had friends that were there that helped me during the time, and I came back. Wow. Was I had one where I was choking on my tongue, and my my friend was holding my. I was like, oh my god, it was horrible. Yeah, and and this was your like your inner circle, like your band ma- members, and who my band members mates? weren't like that. No, it was very me doing stupid stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, if it's so dirty and so horrible sounding that anybody ever really paid attention you know I remember going to Christmas with my mom and and she took me to church and my veins were stinging and I looked down I could see that I was like oh my god oh my god I'm going to hell you know and they were they were just like God was like stinging my arm I'm going, yeah. oh, oh. and so you know hey like you're a vampire and you're about to burst into flames in yeah, the church it was, it, was, it, was, it was horrible and yeah. I mean, here I am you know my family's all being you know I'm trying to do the Christmas thing and here I am just going Man, that these people knew how high I came to Christmas, how many times, and it's different. Yeah, it's stupid. It was the worst mistake so of my Steve life. Webster was my mentor an and angel, angel sent to you to help you get clean. That's right. And did did you go to rehab and shit like that? Uh, no, actually, you got worse. Well, you know, I would I would ebb and flow, but as we get to the trip to Bali, that was. That was an intervention type of trip. Let's go on a couple months trip. Go, go for a month and just month. and get get straight and straighten yourself. Just focus out. on surf on a surf trip. Yep, with your best friend. That's right, and a couple of other guys that we went with. So yeah. that's that was the purpose of that trip. It was, uh, yeah, a lot of people, people didn't know that first birthday, but that's how he. Yeah, yeah, he he organized it. Yeah, because going, you know. Celebrating a big trip like that for your forty first is kind of like it's not a. It was his birthday. Too. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Your forty first usually, and he forty forty five forty first like uh, you know like it's we've done trips and it's yeah. like oh we're going to Bali or a boat trip and it's yeah. like somebody's fortieth or fiftieth or whatever and but not a forty not a forty yeah yeah and the craziest thing was I went with two other guys from Huntington and Steve Steve was like. uh I don't think I'm going to be able to go. He just, he had a, a son and, and then he's like, kind of like, you know, I think he knew he was going the whole time, but he was like, uh, you know, I'll probably show up there or something like that. And he, and he did. I was walking down the street and I could hear his voice and there he was. Wow. I'm Kuda. 
Wait, so <laughs> he, he organized a trip, said he wasn't going to go. And then showed up. And then showed up without you knowing. Yeah. He said, he goes, I might show up. But then he also told me, I might show up in Mexico and surf Rosarito with you and never show. You know how people are. Yeah. And then I just, I'm walking down the street and there he was. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. I was like, oh my God, you're here. Crazy. This place is going nuts. So, so have, you, have you been to Bali previously? Yeah, yeah. So you, you're familiar with yeah, I, I've been the, all, the, the all, scene, yeah. you've been there, and you're like, that's yeah. our trip. Surfed, surfed all over there. I never, uh, like I said, I went for a month, so I did two weeks in uh, Nias and Hanakos. We surfed uh, a Fulu, we surfed, we surfed the backside of Nias, like caught it, it's got some unbelievable trip. It yeah. was magical, it was magical. But in the back of my head, I, I, I kind of felt something, you know, I remember I had warnings and then they had announced on the news that there was an impending terror attack in Indonesia. Before you went? Yeah. And so people were going, oh, I got a bad, I'm like, so, so, you know, I'm going, oh, come on, you know, I'm, I don't know difference between Democrat and Republican. I don't care about politics. I don't but, care about but terrorism. I don't. I didn't believe any any of that stuff would happen. But Bali is is more of a multicultural, multi-religion, like kind of an Hindu, yeah, like Hindu, within Hindu, within Hindu the thirteen thousand whatever islands, you yeah. know. But like, it's a surfer's it, oasis. But but it's it's a melting pot of the world. It's not yeah. like a strictly like anything dominates the religion or the you know. It's like. Asia, Australian, America, you know, like it is a truly would, like melting you pot. You would think where, it'd be a safe haven. But when you go to, right. when, well, when you go to yeah, other I mean, parts of Indonesia, you could tell it's a straight Muslim based on the culture, the people walking around, the architecture, like everything yeah. is just like, that's where you're at. Yeah. Bali is, you don't have any of that. Well, that's because it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's more majority of the Hindu population and they're, they're just a little bit different. You know, they're just, they For just, sure. they're more artists artisans and and uh more receptive you know not so strict religious you know yeah so when and, you got to, you did two weeks in the Os area then you came to bali the last two weeks yeah and then and, steve and, and, steve ended up over there yeah and how many days were you there um prior to october 12th bombing? i stayed the entire month so we got we got blown up on uh uh, October uh, October twelfth, and my flight was thirteenth, fourteenth. I was coming home that Monday, regardless. Yeah, and so I stayed for. I was there a month. So I was on the boat for two weeks, and on 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 Bali for two weeks. So going back though, you this trip was initially to clean you up, right? Well, yeah, and and, 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 and of course everybody wants to go surfing too. Damn yeah, right. I'm I'm a surfer. I yeah. like it, but it was like. That was one of the purposes yeah. in Steve Webster's yeah. mind was yeah. to, to go over there and get you on I think it was on a, a, on a better It was path. my other friend's mind too, I, I would imagine. I was bloated, just really, really. Because uh, you can't really get any of that shit over there. You could drink, you know, and you could surf your brains out and hopefully just kind of. Yeah, you even you even have a joint over there. You're going to jail, baby. Yeah, it's freaking heavy. Except for mushroom shakes, you can have mushroom shakes. Yeah. If you want to fry on mushrooms. Amen. Yeah, to those. Lar knows all about those. Yeah. So you're there. You you get surprised because you didn't think he was going to come. No, it was weird. And, and and the hotel that I told him we'd be at, um, Lawa Long, I think it was. We ended up going to. We were staying at the Barong Hotel, so. He, if he came looking for me, he wasn't going to find me. 
Mm. I just happened to be walking down the street. And I heard, I go, they just got, he had a big old nose. I go, motherfucker, motherfucker. You know? Yeah. Hey, it's your birthday, man. The waves are but surfing impossible. I surfed impossibles all day today. It was just thousand yard on left. You know, it's like, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the, but we were surfing impossibles and all those spots. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was magical, man. It was very, the people were great. You know, it was, yeah. it, it, it was magical. But then I saw this impending doom feeling in the back of my mind, you know? Yeah. I, I really so felt it. So did, did he make it? kind of clear to you when he was there that hey man you're you're fucking up like no i was doing i was doing really good when he got there i just got off a boat i was a, i went from 220 pounds to 190 pounds i was a monster matter of fact the doctor said after I, when i came back home because if you weren't in the shape you're in no way you'd make yeah. it you no way you'd live so i got i was in good shape i was i was having some drinks you know but i i wasn't yeah. on any drugs I, i'm just asking because the trip was, you know, for him, for you, to get you clean, right? Yeah. And, but you didn't really know that, right? Well, with, with Steve, that's all he harped on me about. Okay. He's like, dude, you could really do something with yourself, but you're going to die if you don't. Yeah. And I don't know how I didn't. It was just, you know, God willing. Yeah. So it was always in his mind. He's always... Like he did, I'd, I'd even been at a bar sometime, wouldn't even know where the hell I was, and he'd show up and take me home, pick me Crazy. up. He'd find me. I'd go, dude, what are you doing? Man? Yeah. So that day, that Saturday, the 12th, like, did you guys surf? What was the game plan that night? It's a Saturday night. Yeah, we surfed, like, we surfed, we surfed Ulu that day. And, how, uh, how long was he there before? Oh, God, I, I was not counting. I don't have, I mean, time just. When you're gone, when you're somewhere like that for yeah, a month, yeah. it's like I, I don't know, he was probably there a, a, a few days before we got blown up. Okay. He showed up just in time for his birthday type of deal, because he actually wanted. Well, I'll, I'll get further on, but the, the, guy, the other guys I was with ended up yeah. leaving. But so yeah, he was there. I don't know, probably a few days. A, a, yeah, a couple of days. Couldn't find me. I found him in the street. Then we started all getting together and going out. And I was already, I was done, you know, I had my drinks, party, done what I'd done, I'm tired, I want to get home, you know? And I remember he's like, oh no, no. He goes, if anything, you're staying longer. It's my birthday. He had a birthday month, Yeah. by the way. <laughs> what happens when you get older? Yeah. It starts two weeks before the day and two weeks after. You get it, yeah, you start, you know, celebrating every day. We're above dirt, it's a birthday. So, so he was there for a couple days and then we started going to the clubs at night and uh, you know uh, it was it was kind of it was kind of crazy because he there was an, an Indonesian gentleman um, that ran a surf shop that that was that was with us ended up going with us and he was like a family guy and and so we're going to, we're going okay you know we're gonna celebrate tonight's gonna be your birthday celebration I was like I didn't want to drink Normally, I'd be like, you know, having Iraq attacks and, you know, and I was like, you know what? I was already in my mind ready to go home. And uh, so the night before, the night before this happened, we were at a place called The Bounty, which yeah. is across the street. It's predominantly Indonesian. Yeah. Um, yeah. We stayed at The Bounty. Yeah. Uh, but it's a bar. Yeah. The bar, The Bounty. It's like I've got a boat in the front of it. And so we're over there and it's like, it's like, I'm hanging out with this 
girl didn't speak English, and mm -hmm. I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I think I'm smoking, and I got a Jack and Coke, and I'm just like, just totally, and then, uh, you know, uh, Steve's, Steve's sitting over, and he's talking to a bunch of our uh, Aussie friends at the end of the bar, like just out of, out of shot, and I'm sitting there, I'm standing there with this, with this girl just cutting the, above the dance floor, and all of a sudden, like, four guys, white t-shirts just came walking up, and they're just looking at me like you are, and they're just looking at me, and they, they look like they're smiling. I'm like, if in that part of the world, a lot of the guys just look like they're permanently smiling. It's a very strange thing. It's just the way they look. Yeah. And so you don't know if they want to rub your back with oil or uh, cut your throat. So these four guys came walking up, and the, the main guy comes up to me. This was, this was basically a bomb maker. He comes right up to my face, and he spits in my face. Whoa. And I, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to knock you out for, for less. And he, and he goes, uh, this is the night me. before. This is the night before. He goes, fuck you, fuck George Bush, fuck America. He goes, I have family in Iraq and Afghanistan. Why do you want to kill Saddam Hussein? I'll never forget it. I went, Whoa. I go, what? You know, I'm like, just do I punch? The, you know, I'm going, man, these guys are scary. Yeah. Turns out it was the bomb maker guys in uh, Islamic Jamia, which is that section of Al Qaeda. So the guy. Yeah, it's heavy. And this guy comes up, it's fits my, I'm, I'm going, whoa, you know? And, and I go, hey, you know, fuck, I, I was just like, I was freaked out. I'm like, hey, you know, fuck out of whatever. And uh, so there was already vibes. No, no, no. And this is why I, later on the FBI, and I didn't understand the FBI was asking me, why did they come up to you and then blow the club up at 11 instead of one yeah. and kill that much more? Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't know. And it turns out they couldn't. They want to kill Americans. Yeah. So there was, I think there was eight or nine of us, and eight died. Yeah. So, 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 so um, that was the night before. Yeah. And we we got sorry to interrupt, but we we got because we had a car, and we, you know they'd have checkpoints everywhere and making sure they just scam money. You know, you have an international driver's license. You know, yeah. it's like whatever, and. And we, we were at a roundabout and we got pulled over, you know, or at a checkpoint and they're like, the officer, you know, the Indonesian officer was like, you know, WCT, WCT, WCT all over, all over. Like he was rambling like shit that we like didn't. World Trade Center? Yeah. Oh. Like was saying that. Like this was a day or two before. They knew something with it. Yeah. And we didn't know. I'm like. It was like underground. Maybe he was sending us a message. Yeah, Maybe we didn't know. Like we didn't really understand what he was translating because it didn't say like the full like, "Hey, you guys get the fuck out of here yeah. because there's going to be in know. danger." Yeah, it was nothing. That was kind of like that was weird. What was he talking about? It didn't make sense until after, and and then that's kind of like the so since the bomb maker himself spit in your face. Yeah, this was a this was a group of. This was a, this was the there was another guy called the Smiling Bomber. These guys, these guys, these guys, uh, they came right up to me and it was really weird. I'm like, why, why me? You know, I, I'm, I'm like, I just tried to, I'm like, whoa, you know, I got nothing but, you know, what you sock this guy and go to jail or get killed or whatever. yeah, you can't. And so, I'm, I'm, and that I'm, was the night. That was the night before at the bounty across the street from the yeah. Sorry Club. So, the girl I was with didn't speak English. And she didn't know what was going on. She's like looking around. And I go over to Webster and I go, dude, this... And the, the, these other two guys that, that were on the same trip, 
that came with me, they're sitting over there and they're not paying attention. I go, man, this guy just came over and spit in my face, told me fucking. You know, so are they like wearing their traditional? No, like, just just like clean white shirts rolled up. No, just just look like regular guys, but all wearing clean white shirts and uh, like rolled up. It, it just it was just. It was, and they came right to me, out of all the people in the bar. So I went over to, to Steve and I go, man, I go this, and Steve was uh, aloof. Like every time I'd say, I got a weird feeling, something's going on, you know. Um, he'd be like, Krabby, you're trying to bring me down. This is my birthday. I'm here to have a good time. What are you talking about? Nobody's going to do. I go, this guy just came up and threatened, and I scared the shit out of me. And then my other buddy goes, oh, he goes, he goes, wait a minute. And then he, he walked out and uh, he comes back and he goes, oh, I talked to him. They were just joking. I was like, he didn't talk to him. I'm going, what the fuck? Yeah. Because you had spat on Yeah. Him and it was face. gnarly. And it was gnarly. So I'm like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so I'm like, my heart kind of dropped. And I went, I got straight sober quick. And I went, wow, that's, you know, I'm getting all the warnings here. And so it even gets worse. So anyway, so I'm like, okay. Uh, we end up ending the night. And uh, I was like, I was like, I kind of slept in the next morning. And then I, I got up and the, the guys were all leaving. And uh, I go, what are you guys doing? They go, well, we're, 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 we're going home. They got, that scared them, I think, you know, whatever. They go, we're going home. I go, and then Steve's there and I go, bro, I'm, I want to go home. He goes, fuck, you're not going anywhere. We're celebrating my birthday. I'm like, oh my God. I go, I can't go. Felt like Elaine on Seinfeld. I go, I can't, I, 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 you know, I got to stay. So those guys left, luckily for them. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, in my mind, I'm going, okay, I'm going to go shopping, grab a few things. I'm going to get my board bag packed, get stuff. You know, I'll, I'll go s celebrate his birthday. It's when are you supposed to leave? Monday. It was We got blown up on Saturday. So, so I spent, I, um, anyway, I'll explain that to you. So, so it's going to be his birthday. And I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm over it. I'm tired. I don't want to go. And uh, I got to do it. And so we uh, we ended up uh, talking to the the guy that ran the surf shop, an Indonesian kid, really nice kid. He's like a surf guy and uh, had a family there. And uh, he he agreed to meet us, and we're gonna all go to the club, to the sorry club, and we were gonna go early. I'm like, dude. So you want to be there for, for our listeners. I mean, most surfers have been to Bali. You don't go out to one, but, but the patties and sorry club are directly across yes. from each other, and it's the epicenter of like it is the, club. the nightlife. It is the nightlife. There are, other spots, those are, there are other spots, you know, that but in Bali, those are the but two. Th those are the two that like that dominated the, the nightlife yeah. scene. So, yeah. so, you know, you're, you're going to the epicenter, but they wanted to go early. Steve wanted to go early, so we're. Sitting around talking, uh, this couple of Aussie girls that were in the same area, um, we'd see them all the time. They're really, really nice, and I don't even know their names. They dress like they wore like leopard and tiger suits. They're, they're super cute and nice. They, they, they came and we went to a stair party, which was like a Circle K, yeah. and the 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 couple that owned the owned the uh, owned the liquor store uh, put speakers out and put this crazy 
music out there. And so everybody sits there and then all the cars are cruising around. All the cars are cruising around. So I'm sitting there and my Indonesian friend's here. Steve's here talking to the two Australian girls, just being friendly. It's birthday, we're all having a good time. I'm kind of like very sober. Don't want to be there, but I'm going to be there for my friend. And I look and just, I see this black Acura coming down the street and the front windows are blacked out. And I'm, 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 and it's a, it's a bigger car, like rims, like it doesn't, like all the cars are, you see the little yeah, small, yeah. this is a full size Acura, a, a nice one. Yeah. And the front window was black. And so I'm like, I'm sitting there and my Indonesian friends just kind of stand, stand there and we're kind of saying, Steve's sitting down with the girls and, and I'm just watching this car. And then all of a sudden this guy sticks his head out the window and he's all, you know, like, and I'm like, I remember I went, I went what? whoa, and my hair, my hair, so Steve's not paying attention. He's drinking peppermint schnapps with these girls. And me and me and my Indonesian friend were, were just kind of like, whoa. What do you say? And yeah, so here, so he's, my Indonesian friend was born in Borneo. He knows all the dialect there. And I remember they pointed at us and I went, I go, what did he say to my Indonesian friend? He goes, I'll never forget. He goes, it wasn't Indonesian. And I remember I went, what the fuck? So it was one of those, one of those guys, you know, basically saying, you're all going to die. That's the feeling I got. And Crazy. then the window, he just sat back in and the window rolled up. And I go, Steve, I could, did you just, he's like, he's like we're partying. Oh, right? He goes, we're, we're going to the club. I go, oh my God. Oh my God. This is like minutes before we got to the club. And so I go, I go, oh my God. And, and, and John looks at me, uh, the, the, I don't know his Indonesian name, but he looks at me and he goes, sometimes in Bali on a Saturday night, it's better to stay home on the couch and watch TV. I'll never forget that. And wow. I went, I went, whoa. And I go, and Steve's like, let's go, let's go. And so we're going and the girls he's with are like, we're, we're going to go to Patty's. Yeah. And we'll meet you guys at sorry you know, at the sorry. And so we're all, all right, all right, all right. And so then we go, we go and, uh, <clears throat> but you all along, you've all day from the night before, is that what happened? I, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling like I'm walking in tar. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm walking on You had dead. a bad I have premonition. premonition. Yeah. I've always had premonition to save my life. Always. And so we, we get into the, we get into the Sorry Club and it's packed. It's like 1030 at night or so. It's packed. And uh, we get in, we get in and, and the only spot in the whole area is if you've been to the Sorry Club, you walk into the right, there's a bar and there's a little skinny spot next to the fence. Yep. We were right at the corner of the bar. I was this close to the fence, which was right next to the vehicle. So we're, we're, we're in there and we're, you know, I'm sitting there trying to, you know, cracking jokes and trying to have fun. And the girls went across the street and there's other people these other little Australian girls that I knew, that I met, who were with their parents, and just you know, just another guy I knew, just people, acquaintances. How many people were there? You think? Fuck. Hundred. Yeah, easy. 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 Two. You're talking about like 
dense. 202 died at about 300 maimed, injured from the street. 202 died. So we get in and we're just, we're hanging there and he's like, man, let's do a tree, you know, I would do a cheer, do this, that, and the other. And um, uh, we, we, we were, the, 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 there was like horns honking and then, and then, uh, which is normal because it's a one-way street. There was incessant horn yeah. honking. What happened was the van had pulled up right next to us and was blocking traffic. Mm-hmm. So one guy was, I heard somebody screaming and I, I remember Eminem was playing, Slim Shady or something was playing. It was loud. And then, but I still was totally cognizant and I could see through the opening, you know, with the guard stand on the fence. Uh, like a rustle, like like some excitement of some sort, like the guy was yelling something, whatever. There was some kind of negative energy going through the, the area, and I'm watching, and boom, just blew himself up. Fuck! I'm going. I go. Whoa! Saw something whoa. get blown. I, I, the, the guy, the guy that ran in the ran in the uh, the Patty's Pub, blew himself up. It just, I just, it blew all of our electricity out. It blew. I remember it burned my eyes and broke. My ear, my like I knew I could like I was bleeding like it just boom the concussion just I was watching it so it it was like it was like somebody had their fingers on my eyes like this flash burned my retinas so I'm sitting there none none of us I, I, I so you I'm, saw the guy run in the guy I saw the crowd and the screaming went he, yeah he went right he just went in and just pushed through and stood in the middle of the dance floor and and blew himself up right there just right. Just, I'm just, it's close. You see how close it is? Across the street. It's right across the yeah. street. And so I'm just, I'm in the vantage point where I'm watching this. And I'm just, I went boom, boom. And then, so I'm, I remember uh, all the power went off. And all of us was a big fire. And I remember, I looked back and everybody in the club was just, yeah, I remember everyone was just staring. Not a word, because everybody's eardrums just got blown. Yeah, up. everyone's and, in shock. And me and Steve couldn't, me, me and Steve couldn't, we couldn't talk. And then, uh, my Indonesian friend is like right here in the little walkway between the between the the wall and and the and the street. Yeah. Uh, the, the wall and the and the and the bar. I'm at the very edge of the corner of the bar like this, and he's standing here. I mean, he's like back against the wall. Got blown out. So that's the first bomb. There was two. So the now, first the first guy the went in and blew himself up to and get everybody into the street. Panic. That's right. And so we're sitting there. And then 15 seconds, about 15 seconds later, the guy hit the switch on the van bomb, which we were probably about 20 feet away from. And uh, uh, put it this way, anybody that was in between there and there, I had visceral, I had, bot, I had veins on, I had, it was gnarly. So my friend, my Indonesian friend was just, he was gone. And he was between me and the, and the bomb. And then me and Steve hit our heads really hard. And I, I remember I went, whoa, yeah, we, we hit our heads. And I, I was standing there and I, I looked at him and he looked at me and then part of the roof just went right, right, right down on everybody. Like it was a palapa. Mm. It was, you know, you could step out and be in the rain and then it was like, like corrugated metal. And you're right on the edge of that. Yeah, and I, it just missed me and it went down. And so I'm like, the second, the second ball was so big. I mean, it basically just, I mean, it, any, any bomb that liquidates people. It was a van, van full of... Yeah, 2,500 pounds. Yeah. And so my immediate thing is, is uh, 
Uh, How did not shrapnel not? Just, I had I had piece of brick and no, I know, but like I, I like I again. was just in the spot. So and Steve made it too. Steve was farther away from the bomb than me. And then he stood up, and they got pinched by the roof. And so I automatically my instinct is like you know if a car rolls on your kid, you're gonna try to lift the car up. Yeah. yeah. So I try to I try to reach for him and pull him out, and I'm going and all this is happening. Chaos. And. Uh, I went to go like this, and, the, and the, the corrugated metal just melted my hands off right the second I did it. And I realized, like, I'm not going to lift a roof, you know? And then everything's on fire, and I t- I'm totally disoriented, and it blew my eardrums, and so I'm sp- starting to spin vertigo, like the drunkest you've ever been. I'm going, oh, my God. And it's, everybody's burning and screaming and freaking, you know, just, it's gnarly. I'll never forget, one of the craziest things I saw, I, I looked up and I saw a guy walk about five steps with no head. And I was like, I mean, it was just, I saw the craziest things. And then, uh, remember I told you guys earlier, there was two little, two little younger Australian girls and they were both like on fire. And like, I, I like, cause I, I, was, I, tr- I couldn't get Steve out and I, I'm looking, I'm seeing all this stuff happening and it's all fire. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, whoa. And I dropped, I remember I was getting so dizzy and disoriented, I dropped to my knees and it was weird because there's like a stair step up to the bar and and like I'm down below and the fire's all around. And I remember I was on my hands and my knees and I was going, wow, I'm in an Al-Qaeda bomb attack. I'm gonna burn to death. I remember going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I go, I remember I go, it's kind of warm. I can do this, you know, I'm gonna burn. And then I thought of my, I thought of my son. I thought of things like, I just, I got up and I just, I just went in a direction I thought I should go. I had a friend of mine that was in a, in a fiery uh, mobile home. And he, he, he was there just the night before I left. He goes, if you're ever a fire, he goes, pick a direction and just go. Don't freeze up. And I swear it was just magical that he wow. told me that. And so, uh, yeah, he's burned about 90% of his body. He's one of my best friends. But uh, So I just picked a direction. There was a piece of car or a piece of the fence that was cantilevered on the stairs. And so I'm trying to climb up. It's all fire. You can't see anything. And I'm trying to climb up this thing. And I'm going back into the fire. And I'm going and climbing up, my fingernails are popping off, and I'm trying to crawl up this metal and, and, and to get to where I think I need to be. And uh, I was just like, I remember going, oh my God, I can't get out of this thing. I'm going to burn this freaking piece of metal and let me go by. And finally, like, I, I just went, I went up the top, and it's like a five foot drop or so. I, I dropped down, and, uh, you know, I think that's where I saw the girls burning on the other side of that. It was just, it was horrible. Were you, were just, you wearing shoes? Uh, I was wearing shoes and one of my shoes got blown off and I had all my money. I had a pair of Shaw Shaws on. Do you remember Shaw Shaws with a little hidden drug pocket? I had all my money in one shoe and one of them, the bomb, I remember it blew my leg back like boom, like, and blew one of my shoes off. So I was, I was, it was weird. I can't believe I wore those shoes out and I normally I'd be wearing flip flops and you know, I, I dressed like this yeah. and I remember I saw some Hawaiian guys and they're like, look oh, bro, what are you dressed like? You're, you know, what are you doing? And I, and I think the sweat and just being in, in full clothes help save me too so so I get back to and I'll show you guys the, the diagram there's like a corner the way the way the club was set up it was a big u-turn the bomb was here and and there's a big u-turn here and this is all cement and buildings there's no escape so when the bomb oh, blasted right. it blew everybody back and there was this big thick metal fence and the fire was so hot on the car that it, it would just singe, just singed all my hair, my eyelashes, my everything. It was just so hot. I mean, this bomb burned so hot. So I, I, I went to where I figured I could have slipped it on, 
body parts and people's backs and just you saw what that those pictures looked yeah. like. It was just wreckage and but everything was on fire. And I got back to this corner and there was a black pole. And I remember I thought, God, you know, there's gotta be a seam here. And so I just went, oh, I went crazy and I smashed it and my back broke. First hit. I broke this my scapula in half like a brick and went so wait, uh, did, did you climb up that metal thing? I got up on it. I finally got over it. The, about the fifth and you were in the street. And I, no, I was. I was. No, this was still in the club. Oh, I'm still yeah. stuck in the club, and the, 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 uh, a lot of the fence is still up. Like the, the spot I need to get out at was still thick, like big, thick metal fence. You've seen what it looks yeah. like. And so I got back to the far corner, as far away from the fire as I could, and I saw the, this black pole, and so I just went kind of nuts and I just slammed it and the first hit broke my back I felt it snap my it's getting I hit it so hard it snapped my back well my, you're my, you're in free I'm in, yeah, I'm in crazy free, mode I'm in free and I'm yeah. spinning I got vertigo and so uh I, I I smashed the fence and then I hit it like seven six or seven more times and it popped it and I remember I went and I popped I, I popped it out I was able to to open that and then I, I had so much vertical I spilled into the street and there's just look I'm, I'm I fall down I'm just around it's all body parts just just it's just Crazy. you know it's just it's horrible Fuck. and so then I look up and this girl's reach like I see her hand and then I help pull her and so people everybody started to come out of that opening yeah and uh and so I'm, I'm, I've got this whole crazy vertigo and I'm just like I, I've never had anything like that I don't know what it is yeah you know I got, I got everything exploded. It was just absolute. I spin you in a barrel for an hour. That's what I had to escape with. And so I get, I get on the street and I'm, I'm trying to walk. I get back up and I'm, you know, people are coming out around and stuff. And I, I get out and I try to, I try to walk. I just kept slamming my face off the cement, just smashing my teeth. Like, I, like Bob down was up and up was down. I'm going wham, wham. And I, I get up and, I, and then I try to get myself up. My back was broken, so I'm going. And it's going. I'm going. What the fuck is this? So I take another few steps in this. This guy's laying on the ground and he's a white t-shirt and like Levi's or something. And he's all, he's an Aussie guy. And he's like, he's like, help me, you know, help me. And I go, fuck, I'm, fuck yeah, I'm gonna help you. I grabbed, I grabbed, grabbed his arm and flipped him over and he was totally gutted. Just, just absolutely, just his whole intestines were out. And so I just, I just said, brother, God bless you, man. I can't, you know, I can't help you. And so I kept going, I kept smacking myself. And then I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm going on the sidewalk and then these two other Indonesian dudes are laughing at me. <laughs> these little fuckers are laughing at me. I clocked this kid so fucking hard with my elbow. I cocked him in the, in the temple. I'm all, fuck you, boom. And I just kept walking. I went as far as I could. And I uh, just collapsed in the, in the street on the sidewalk. And it was just broken glass everywhere. And I just remember looking up at the moon and I looked at my hands and I remember I, I was sitting there and I go, I go, holy fucking shit, man. Did you think you had any, like you felt your I, your back break, you couldn't hear, but did, I thought you, my did, head you, was check, did you check yourself for like giant I thought moments? my head was melted off. I thought I was ketchup head. I was, because my hands were burned. So I'm, I'm going, oh my God, I felt my face was so hot. I go, my whole head's melted off. And so I'm going, oh my God, it's melted off because my hands were burned. So I couldn't tell if my head was gone. And so I remember laying there going, God, my head's melted off. You know, fucking. Like, and, and then all of a sudden like all these people are gathering around and I'm laying there and I, I, I'm so freaking dizzy just everything's spinning and uh, 
this guy comes out of the blue and he's this big American guy with a white baseball hat. And he and he comes up and he and I could still hear a little bit out of out of one of my ears and his my ears are ringing. I got I still have I've two different pitches of tinnitus. It's crazy. It's horrible. Like it doesn't ever go away. I have to have something on at night or I can't. So this guy reaches down. He goes, "What's your name, soldier?" And I told him, and he goes, "What happened?" And I said, "We got they blew us up all arms." Calm. Yeah, I'm just going to. Yeah, I'm just going. He he didn't believe it. He said, "No, no, no, no." He goes, "This is a peaceful country." I'll never forget. He goes, "This is a peaceful country." It was probably a pro. I go, "There's no propane explosion. They fucking blew. They murdered everybody over there. My friends in there. I need to get them fucking out." And I'm just starting to go, oh my God, my friend's still in there. What am I, you know, I'm like, what do I do? I'm sorry, I think I'm a little upset. But, uh, no. uh, so, uh, so he picks me up and uh, lifts me into a, to a taxi, you know, and uh, I'm like, he's going, you know, what, what's, what are you feeling? And I said, I broke my back. And he goes, uh, I don't think you broke your back. I go, I, I broke my fucking back, dude. That's a bomb over there. My friend's in there. What, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm losing my mind. I'm spinning and I'm throwing up. You know, I've got vertigo. I mean, it's like, I'm just vomiting, you know, just in the car and just blood's coming out of my nose and my ears. And um, he takes me, tries to take me to a hospital around the corner. And the hospital was, all the windows of the hospital were blown up. Yeah. And they wouldn't take me. And, uh, I was like, I was like, he goes, man, they, you know, he, we got to get him in. You know, he's going to, you know, he's probably going to die. I'm going, great. And then all of a sudden this guy jumps in the car and he's an Indonesian guy. And I'm like, I go, fuck you. Get the fuck out of this car, fucker. You know, who are yeah, you? Yeah, because you're, you're yeah, defensive. You're like, I don't know who's who or him, you know. He's my taxi driver's son. But we didn't know. I go... And he spoke with a, like a, a British, almost a British accent. And I'm like, I go, dude, you speak better. You know, who is this guy? Get him out or he's going to kill me. I kept thinking, you know, f- fuck you. You know, if you're going to kill me, kill me. You know, whatever. But he ended up helping us get to a, uh, a hotel somewhere off in the distance. And uh, they took me in and took me, took me into uh, some room. And I'm freaking out. You know, I'm still going, man, I got to, you know, where's Steve? You know, what? And I kept thinking, I go, I go, you know, I mean, I saw where he was. He's probably under where he was stuck. Time. But I go, man, he's a badass. Yeah, yeah. He probably made it. Yeah. And I kept saying in my mind, I kept going, he, he probably made it. In my heart, I knew he did. But they, I kept going, he, he, he made it. He, you know, I, I, he made it. And uh, so they bring me into this room, and in some hotel, and I told him, I go, man, I go, I have my, all my money in in one of my shoes, and so the the guy with the white hat, he pulls my shoe off and he opens it, and there's all my money. I go, okay, okay, I got my money. He goes, I'm going to set your money right here on the, on the table over here. And then uh, uh, the, the Indonesian kid, the son of the taxi driver, he's all, he's all uh, I'm going to go get an Australian doctor. And uh, I guess it was just like an EMT, you know, some, some the Australian guy came in and, and uh, I'm sitting there with my teeth, I'm pulling teeth. I mean, it was just crazy. I got veins on me. It's just gnarly. It's the smell of death. It's just Never want to smell that. It was soaked in my all my clothes. I was like, flies are buzzing around me. It's just fucking nasty. So he comes in, and uh, I remember 
I remember like so much blood was coming out of my ear that I remember looking at my pillow was just soaked out. And my dad, my father was a fireman. Remember, he was a paramedic. And he said, he said, if you're bleeding out of your ears, you're, you're going to die. Oof. And he goes, if you're bleeding out of your ass, it's even worse. And I was thinking about that. And I remember I reached down and blood was coming out of my ass too. I was internal bleeding. I was like, oh my fucking God. And so this guy's, this guy's, this, the Australian antique guy, he's going, yeah, you know, we got to, you know, we you need to get you out of here. You got to do this. I go, I'm not going anywhere till I find my friend. Steve. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I became fucking Rambo. I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I just got a different way of thinking. I go, I got, I, I can't just abandon this and go sit in a hospital somewhere. I got to do what I got to do. And so these guys are, bunch of people from other countries all of a sudden were gathered around me in this bed in this room and I'm like I don't know who the fuck anybody is I go somebody give me a beer I, I remember thinking I and I'm like what do you want a beer I go just I go if I want to fucking die I want to drink a beer and they're like yeah, you're right. still spinning too oh dude you had no was, idea it was like, horrible I, I, dude there's just no no way I should have even have been even where I was can, and can so, I ask you a couple questions like go ahead so the bomb explodes across the street at yeah Friday's. How, how, how many seconds? After? 15 seconds. 15 seconds, boom. The, the guy hit the switch in the van. And then when, when that thing fell, uh, the roof fell on, on Steve. Yeah, and all, everybody else on the dance floor. How, how long did it, did, you, did it take for you to pop up, try to get up off that thing and get out? Well, as soon as I tried to to lift the, the thing off Steve and I burned my hands. I dropped to my hands and knees and saw people burning and the guy with no, it's all that, it happened, everything was so quick. Yeah. Uh, God, it couldn't have been more than a f- couple minutes. You know, everything was so, it was like, boom, you're going to die, you're gonna burn to death. You know, you know, you make a wrong move and you're dead. Yeah. And so, like I said, when I was on my hands and my knees, I was like in this fiery coffin and I remember saying to myself, this is it. And then I just said, thought about my kid, thought about, and I go, you know what? Thought about what my friend said, and I just got up and moved. And and so you make it out this almost like a knight in shining armor with a white hat on. Yeah, and I still don't know who. Somebody told me he was a photographer for National Geographic, and he, he still never put he never, you in this taxi. Put got me in a taxi, got me away from all this, took me to a hotel. First took me to the hospital; they wouldn't take. There was no room. Yeah, and then took me to the hotel. Got me a, those guys got me a, a, a doctor look at me and the doctors, you know, I could, I could still, they're, they're like going, oh man, this guy's, he's yeah. going to fucking die. Yeah. And I go, fuck it. And I, 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 could, I could still hear enough and tell their body movements enough to where I'm going, hey, if I'm going to die, get me a fucking beer. You know, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why. It was crazy. So, and so all these people around me and the, and the, and the EMT, everybody's going, we got to get, I remember people going, we got to get over and try to help survivors, get people out, and, and they're going to triage people. They, people had their skin melt, they were putting them in the pools. They couldn't do anything. Their skin was just all melted off them, putting them in the pools. And, uh, and uh, so he, I remember he, he said, don't, he's bleeding out of his ears, don't let him go to sleep. And that's the last thing I remember. And then I, I woke up and I had flies all over my face. And I was like, uh, nobody was in the room. And my money was gone. My shoe was gone with my money. And I was like, fuck. Fuck, fucker stole my money, man. 
Fuck, I don't know where I'm at. My friend's dead. I got guts all over me. I remember I ripped my shirt off, just just ripped the shirt because it stunk so bad, flies all over it and crap. And I, I got up and the, my whole pillow was just blood. The bed was blood. I was bleeding ears and ass. And I, I walked out and this little girl, this little girl, little bang, she was super cute. She's, she goes, she goes, oh my God, bomb's so big. She goes, everybody dead. Body parts smell like burnt fish. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I look in there. These guys crouch down staring at me. I'm like, what, motherfuckers? Because I don't know who's, you know, I'm, 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 I got to fight again? Yeah. Do I, what do I got to do? Yeah. You know, and they're just crouching, looking at me like, fuck, this, this guy's a ghost, you know, whatever. And then, uh, so I go into, I go into the lobby when they're all, there's like a yellow tablecloth and everybody's eating these weird little sandwiches, those weird little press sandwiches and tea. And I look up on the TV and it's like up to 88 dead. There's like a ticker tape on the bottom. And I'm looking for names and I'm, I'm going, and then everybody's looking at me like they've seen a ghost. You know, I'm just sitting there, blood just dripping out, fucking no shirt. Yeah, how did you survive the, the night, right? Like I just, like, I just dozed off for, for, for a couple of hours. And then I remember saying to myself, my money's gone. I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to give this guy till 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock whatever to give me my money back I can't leave and not have my money and so I, I went in I sat down at the, I, I go to the guys I go well, where's the guy with the white hat and they're like oh you know you gotta leave you know I'm bleeding on their fucking table I go I'm not going anywhere and I'm blood just dripping on the fucking table they're just they're eating their food drinking their tea going yikes and I'm looking at this ticker tape going Oh my God, you know, this is so gnarly. I don't know where I'm at. I, I'm dizzy. I can't think. My brain got shattered. I'm like, and then right as I'm ready to just start walking down the street, he pulls up and he's got a camera. You looking at some of this stuff? I'm looking at photos, yeah. <laughs> he's got a camera and he's, he goes, I remember he goes, he starts clicking pictures of me and he goes, he had my shoe. He goes, here's your money. I go, oh my God, thank you. I go, where am I? What? I gotta go find Steve. You know, I gotta go. I gotta, just help me. And uh, uh, check everywhere. Well, it gets heavy. And so then uh, he he, he goes. He I never forget. He looks at me. And he goes. He goes. It's gonna take you years to figure out what you just lived through. And he goes. He goes, I know you broke your back. He goes, you, you helped you help some, some people made it out because of that fence. I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I wasn't trying to be a hero. I was trying to save my own ass. And by saving my own ass, it helped others. Good, good. You know, I don't try to play a hero. I mean, it wasn't that way. So he takes me back to the hotel. And there was another guy that we knew that was at the pool uh, during this time. And he was friends, he knew Steve, and he, and he comes up and he goes, oh, Krabby, he goes, they said one of you guys was alive, I knew it was you. And I go, oh my God, you know, what, whatever. And then the, the hotel security guard comes down, and he goes, Mr. Steve, your wife's on the phone. You're not I didn't have a wife. It was Steve's wife. And so I had, I got on the phone with the little I could hear, and I said, you know, I'm gonna be brutal, I don't think he made it. You know, I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't think he made it. She goes, you gotta go look Find for him. him. 
And so that's when I went to the, the Indonesian kid that came and a couple of other Indonesian kids that were friends of the other Indonesian kid that perished all came to help me get through the talking points of the hospital and the morgue. And so I haven't. I'm sitting here. I still got guts. I went. I, I, got, I got in my hotel. I threw on a T-shirt. I'm still just, just, just. Freaking, I mean, toast. Yeah, and uh, and uh, they took me to the the hospitals, and so I was going through every hospital. I went through. I think we went to like three hospitals. I went. I was going through the rooms looking for them, you know, and opening doors and lifting blankets back, and oh, it was it was hard. Fuck. And then, uh, did you go to the club first and like? No, I, I knew that they had already gotten the they already evapor- stopped, you know they already yeah gotten, extracted anybody that was survivable. And so, uh, uh, I uh, couldn't find them. No, I went to the Shangri La Shangri La. I think it was called uh, uh, hospital. Went through all those things, um, and then. Uh, as soon as we walked through the door, it was just bodies lined up with blocks of ice on them, just flies all over them. You know, you're just like fuck. And uh, I remember I walked in, I saw bull legs, and I go, my, you know, I can't tell you what it's like when you're looking for somebody and you're expecting to find them. You just almost think you see them every single person you're looking at. Yeah. You're like, oh, he's got a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a white guy with blonde hair, and bull legs, you know. And so I just ended up going first. Area was just white tiles with people with blocks of ice on them on the chest, and then uh, the next room was just, um, uh, you know, just pieces. And so I was in there just I'm ripping bags. Looking for tattoos or any uh, symbols. It was, just, it, was just, it was just it was horrible. And I saw some of the people that I knew uh, in the in there. I saw some of the people I knew that were in the morgue. Or in this homemade morgue, and uh, I looked as looked as much as I can. There was just say a lot of people got decapitated. There was a lot of it was just tough, and uh, I, I went as far as I could, and I couldn't. You know, I, I, I gave up. I just couldn't take it, and uh, so we. Uh, this is the day after. Yeah, I still uh, I still didn't. Get, you know, my hands are melted off. I'm still just, I'm like, I don't know how I did it. It was just mental. Just, I just kept going. And so then, uh, we're, I'm with these, I'm with the, with the guys in the van, the Indonesian guys that were helping me and we're driving and, um, I see McDonald's sign and I go, I just want to be yeah, safe. Yeah, probably have I want to feel safe. Yeah. Well, not just, it wasn't to eat. It was just, I want to just hide. I want to be safe. Here was your, uh. Safe haven. Yeah, and so I went there. I actually ordered food, and, went, and it, it was crazy because there was an, another television up above my head here, and it was ticker taping, and it was showing really graphic stuff. I look over, and there's this guy uh, in a black turban, like right, right across, you know, really about as close to that second pot, and uh, his energy was so bad, and I was like. I was like, I tried to just turn it away. He got up and he moved. And he got closer. Oh my gosh! I looked over and he rolled up his sleeve, and he had an American flag burning on his arm. And he goes, ha ha ha, ha 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 ha. Wow! Points up. I'm going. I mean, I got fucking chills right. I just like, 
I go, oh my god, Fuck. I saw these guys, and my my little buddies want to go get sticks and pound them, man. They're they're like they're like, man, we're, let's you know, and the and so I go, I go, I, I got up and I I got up and I I, I, I get me out of here, and uh, we went, we we got in the van, and we I never forget, we were backing out, and he was standing there laughing, and the McDonald's sign was over his head. I remember just going, get me off this freaking island. What a fucking... And you couldn't. Everything was locked down. No, and 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 and, and the thing was, too, you got to remember, I got blow, I got broken eardrums. I'm going to fly. I got I got to... This thing right here is in a sack. Your, your scapulas are in a sack. And they... they in, in the air, they could explode. I mean, that's what the, the Australian uh, doctor told me. So I got... I got back and can I stop real quick yeah like what you just went through physically and mentally is so like bizarre hell on earth yeah you know like it's just so traumatizing like all the different you know levels it's what war yeah I mean dude like he, he he himself his body has just torn into sh- shreds shrapnel right it changed every chromosome it went through my body and changed every element and, I am. and what I mean I'm talking about your body right yeah. your physical body and then your mental state what you're and going visual. through let's go back remember what I told you when I was a kid and I had that elimination yeah where I could go out of my body yeah that's how I survived in that situation. I was very calm, super calm. I go, I've got to get out. I've got to break this spot. I've got to, I got to get out. And so I was just super calm. And that was the mechanism that I created when I like, was a child. The, the, the fucked up thing too is like your mind, right? You're, you're, you're like instantaneously, you don't know who is your enemy and who is your friend. Like I said, who wants to rub your back and who wants to cut your throat? Yeah. yeah. So you're you're like, you know, you're worried about everything. Like, oh shit, what's this guy gonna do to me? Oh shit, who is this well, guy? Well, you know what? When you get a level of fear like that, it goes the other way. You the actually fearless. become calm. Yeah. You actually go, okay, what's coming? Just yeah. like I told you when I walked out of that room, these guys are crouching, staring at me. I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Do it. I'll, I'll fight to the death right now. I already yeah. died. That's the. The, the that mental anguish and f- like the psychological uh, you know warfare that's going in your head because you're 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 mourning you're mourning over a friend right you're like you're hoping fuck he might have made it he could be alive like thinking about him suffering somewhere yeah. burned or or needs my help but and you're I thinking he might be alive and you're like hoping right and yeah. praying that oh my god I hope S- Steve Webster's you know at a hotel like just like you were pulled away somewhere else yeah. just got to connect you know that's that's what your driving force is to kind of you know stay super and then calm going, and focused like I gotta find my friend going to these hospitals and looking through body bags and looking through oh I'm a different person I'm a different person I'm a different person I uh I was just I, I've never seen such disrespect for the human body it was just absolutely I mean, I still 
you know, I can't sleep at night. Still, it's really hard for me. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm yeah. still traumatized, you know, from it. So, my account of that night is we're one degree of separation, which is like fucking so wild. crazy. Which is fucking wild. Yeah. So I'm on my honeymoon. We're going for two weeks. First week, we're up at the Ritz Carlton. Me and my wife have got a ballet. We're fucking. We're doing it like legit. Stop. I don't want to see anybody. I'm gonna freaking hang out with my wife. And get room service and strawberries and champagne dropped to her totally. freaking room every day. The second week, so that was our first week, you know. And up, this is, you know, my wife's been there a couple times with me prior to, and I've spent like years and years and years going there. Like my best friends are running everything over there. Yeah, result hand. I I go and I'm like, I'm in with the crew, you know. And the first week we're staying. Hey, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do our honeymoon. Second week, we want to come hang out with all of our friends and party and, and have a great time. And part of our wedding gift was Rizal and Chandra, his wife. They own, you know, his family has a hotel, Un's Hotel, like two blocks away. And part of our wedding gift's like, hey, we got you. Just come stay. Whatever you guys want. Like second week is on us. We we check out on a Saturday. We get there on a Saturday. We check out of Four C or uh, sorry, Ritz Carlton on. On Saturday morning, and we're fired up. We're like, we're ready to go party with our friends. We're fucking pumped, you know. We're like, Saturday, we just been cooped up. We're ready to go, like, hey. And we check in, and everybody's like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And we're like, I don't know. Let's like, let's go out tonight. Yeah. And you know, we got shrimp shakes down the street. We got a handful of freaking ecstasy in one hand, and we have a bunch of fucking weed, you know. And we're like, well, let's just. Let's just go like, let's go eat dinner. Let's go to, we know this killer sushi restaurant and whatever. So we fucking smoke a bunch of weed, which is a, you know, again, it could have gone like, fuck dinner. Let's just drink and go fucking party, you know? And then we're like, you know what? Let's just go, let's just, you know, smoke. We go drink. We have a killer dinner and we get out. It's like 10-ish. Well, it's fucking too early to go out. So we go back to the hotel. They have... They have like residents on the fucking hotel property. So they got like their own apartment, like fucking Batat and Marlon, they go and fucking fire up fucking PS4 and they're fucking playing video games. Other people, you know, we're, you know, people are just hanging around the hotel drinking and we're like, it's fucking hot. We're gonna go back to our room and just chill for a little bit. So we're fucking laying in our room, like just, you know, obviously we're not going out. Yeah, like you said, hour later, two hours later, twice as many people would have been dead. Oh yeah. Easily, like eleven o'clock. It's like we don't roll out till midnight. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. They wouldn't go out till one. Or yeah, midnight. It's like so we're we're cruising in the hotel room. You talked about propane tank, like you know, where people ask you. Yeah. I'm laying there. I'm kind of like dozed off. Lady's like, we're just laying in the bed, like just you know somewhat just food como and just hanging out like waiting to like to knock on the door to go out you know we're just kind of chill mode and i just i mean the blast i could only imagine where you're at and what you felt because what i felt was instant death what i felt was not a vibration a sound a feeling that was like normal and the first thing that came to my thought was like something really bad just happened. without even knowing 
like you, f you felt this energy and it was like so powerful. And again, you hear glass break, you hear like, I mean, it was like an earthquake. And I didn't hear any screaming. It was just like a rumble and like a, a shockwave, like literally like not, I didn't even know what a shockwave was like. And the first thing that came to my mind was, holy shit, the propane tank in the, ga in the, in the restaurant, that's like fucking 40 feet away from us fucking blew up. You know, and I come running out, I, you know, come out. My wife's like, hey, what's going on? And I kind of diffused it, like, because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I'm like, hey, I think, I think the restaurant propane, blunt, you know, tank blew up or something. So I kind of just, and everybody came out, nobody knew. And the fucking boys get on their fucking scooters, you know, because by then they, they see, see the their, their phones are going off before they, you know, the fucking yeah. circuits got, you know, shut down. And they got on their freaking scooters. They take off. They're like, don't leave you know we got there's like most places there's like one you know it's a Gate. compound there's like one entrance you know one one guy comes back like 10 minutes later and he calls for reinforcement like extra security and they're like you're not fucking no no, no guests are allowed to leave like you're on fucking lockdown like and we couldn't even get like real answers like you know yeah they didn't know if it, again like the restaurant at the club or something blew up too they didn't think it was like a terrorist attack a bombing and yeah so we kind of didn't know all the information and then a couple more scooter guys you know that kind of took off came back and they're just like they couldn't even explain it yeah they're like people many people dead fucking people you know burning people like it's like they said sorry club and patty's club everything's level like everything's gone and we're like and then, like, the rumors start happening, you know, like, hey, it was a bombing, you know, it was, it was geared at, you know, like, the West Americans. and Americans and whatever. And uh, it was, like, the, the gnarliest night ever because here I am on my honeymoon. My wife's, I kind of protected her by not giving her, like, the whole intel. I'm like, what is she going to do, you know? And I felt so helpless because I'm like, I'm able to go, like, run down there and help people but just like you there might be a fucking target on our heads yeah if you're fucking not, you know you're white and you're yeah. leaving and all my friends are like you're not leaving the fucking place like there's no like nobody's leaving and you're like this this feeling of like helplessness I, for sure like i gotta go help you know but but you am can't. i gonna like am i gonna you know yeah. sacrifice my life you know like it just there's a there, nobody knew what the fuck was going on and it was so eerie and so crazy and the next morning it again it was like you know then there's rumors that there was a bombing you know like there was bombings elsewhere in the in the island you know that they're targeting other you know other places and yeah and there's more coming and there's more coming yeah. and uh you know we were just like get you know, me out of here and you can't and everything yeah. was locked down we were like island was locked down but we we were like like the decision at like six in the evening or five or four or eight, like of, you know, going down one route of partying versus life another, or death, yeah, life or death decision, you know, and 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 to this day we're just like, you know, why, why, you know, like you can't, you know, like obviously it wasn't. How about day. my two friends that were there? Yeah. The goblin left that morning. The they're just like, yeah, they're just like, they're, they're so. And, and then, and, and you know, when I was getting, I also had somebody came to me and gave me, uh, one of the Indonesians told me that uh, 
the Al Qaeda guys were gonna come and find me and kill me still. Well, <laughs> I'm like, and that, go ahead. And that was I'm the like, thing is like, I mean, we we didn't leave the hotel for a good two or three days, and we, you know, luckily we were able to get a a call out like a couple days later because again, like everybody's wondering if we're fucking dead or not, you yeah. know, like. We were, and everybody we were all tripping over here. And everybody knows those spots and we've been there and everybody's like, Oh fuck like Yeah. For there's a good chance they're there, you know? And it was so fucking heavy. So, so heavy. So going back to Krabby. Dude. Fucking day two of the day after you're you're like Well, I I I really had some uh you know, the whole time I'm thinking I'm gonna die because I'm still I'm still bleeding. Yeah. I'm still bleeding everywhere. I'm dizzy. I'm my back's broken. It cracked my sternum too. Like I felt when the bomb went through me, it like it, like I still have to go once a month and get all my ribs set so I can breathe. This side of my sternum doesn't work. This you side of my kidding? It, no, it took, my ribs just keep tangling. They're tangled. Like so I have to go and she has a thing and she goes keep keep it puts all my ribs back in so I can breathe. It's fucking gnarly. But from from that from the bomb, yeah, it would. I felt it go through me and just kind of. Crack, like crack me, dude. Like I said, and that was 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I still, I'm still, I'm still screwed. The, the power of that blast, and like I said, if you're forty feet from the car, the fact that you're here, it's is no, a it's, a, it's I'm a ghost, and that's what that guy with it's, the white hat said. He goes, "You're a fucking ghost." Yeah, I had <laughs> so white people. You know, you didn't want to be seen in public. You didn't. You didn't know what the. You know, like again, we in were like, during that we time. were tar- we were terrified. We couldn't get out. We wanted to leave. Everything was shut down, and uh, like three or four days after, we ended up like we got to get out. We got to go to a beach. So we went to Chenggu, and and we get there and we're hiding. You know, the whole car ride we're like just hiding. You know, like in the car. How fucked up is that? It's so fucking scary. And so I'm like, I got to get to the beach. I got to get out of this hotel. Like, I got to, you know, like, and this big Australian bloke, you know, he was at the table, you know, table right on the beach, little, little, you know, um, little tables at the beach. And, you know, he was like head down and, you know, how they have those like Australian boots and stuff. Like a big rugged Australian dude. And I'm like, he was looked up and he was like, looked at us and he's like, guess you guys weren't there you know like because most everybody was there and I'm like no we were fucking yeah close and he's always there and we're like how are you here you know just like you fucking homeboy was taking a shit at the fucking in the toilet all cement and it blasted and the, the wall blew and hit this wall and left him like a little fucking the triangle yeah yeah he's all I never I would never ever take a shit at a fucking that club or yeah. anywhere. He's all, but I had to go like so bad. The shit that saved his life. Seriously. Wow. Yeah, and you know, luckily, like most people are out, in, and that's why I asked about your shoes. Like, what were you wearing and stuff? Because you know, he had these those big clog like boots. You know, Australian like outback boots. And he's all, he's all, you know, luck. You know, luckily I had these these boots. He's all. I came out and same thing like. Was he at the patty or sorry? He was at uh, the sorry club. And he was like, I came out, like, you know, just a lot of descriptions of what you were just going through. Like, 
didn't know fucking what this that and you know of course he was okay like he didn't have any like major like trauma except some fucking bruises and scratches and some burns and stuff and he was shit his pants well yeah he was already there but uh you know he was one of the people he's like i i just anybody moving anybody talking anybody screaming anybody whimpering i was like going and fucking like Grabbing them. Grabbing them and pulling them out. He's like, I was grabbing people and they just slide out of me. They're fucking so burned. He's like, every time I'm going to pick somebody up, they would fucking just fucking, all their skin would pull off. And he's all, you know, and he got to a point where he's just like, if they were fucking making a sound, if they're moving, they're worth saving. And he just said he was just like carrying body after body. And it was like the fucking heaviest shit. And then the next day we saw one other dude he was at the bar, sorry, and he was ordering a drink and he dropped his money. And as soon as he dropped his money and bent down below the freaking bar, the fucking place blew out. And he said he was... Uh, half- have, his ears weren't hurt? Oh, no, he was... Same thing. Like, he was... I mean, he didn't take any of the blunt force, but yeah, he was fucked, you know? So nuts. He was so fucked, but he was like... The fact that, like... These little, you know, people that are there, like you're right there. Like other people were blown apart and he's all, I just, I dropped below the bar because I, I dropped my money and I, and as soon as I dropped below the bar, explosion, explosion happened. happened. And it was like that, that little accident. And it was like, from, and those are yeah. only two people like we talked to that were like there outside of the perimeter that you know we're all kind of secondhand you know and it was like holy shit like we were so scared that we weren't even be able to like leave we didn't know if like there was bounties like for you know we heard multiple other bombings we heard they're gonna go freaking you know like yeah. they're they're certain you know we didn't know if there's a fucking thousand of those fuckers like cruising you know the city Al-Qaeda. yeah or whatever we didn't know who Paris. they were yeah it was so crazy so crabby so nuts. Second day, you, you, you go through the morgues, you, you don't find Steve. Well, as far as I could, yo. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I had severely burned hands. And it was really weird because it was like just big green blisters where the skin wasn't missing. It was just big green. Like I remember going, I'm never going to have fingerprints again. You know, here's this was the really bad one right here. It's where I like tried to get the, lift the roof, but uh, and I can't, I didn't get into a doctor. And so one of my Indonesian friends, he's all, uh, I come. He goes, I I got somebody. They're going to help you. I go the doctors. He goes, well, kind of. <laughs> I go, all right. So he brings me this thing, and it's weird. Like little group was following us, and and uh, brought me down below into this place and it was like a little old man a little old lady and uh, she she's she's got a bottle of rubbing alcohol and he's ouch. got a pair of scissors ouch <laughs> and they just started cutting the skin off my hands it was it, I was like I was like oh my because they, they say you, you can't leave that on there yeah uh, infected and, infected yeah. and I kept thinking because of my ear I kept thinking I was going to get gangrene in my brain like I was like oh my god dude and the whole time I'm going you know I'm definitely gonna die, but when? Yeah, yeah. You know, because you're not 
you haven't seen a doctor and you, you know you're healing you're, you're like not getting any medicine or like not treatment. getting any, not getting any. yeah and the thing about me which was which was different was like you said people's skin was pulled up I looked semi okay my damages are more internal you know brain teeth ears uh, chest ribs back ears uh, uh, even though all these are still all shattered they're all if you look close they're all got cracks the only ones I have left are these all the rest are so, all so the explosion shattered your teeth between that and me smashing my head when I had vertigo oh my god and then I, I forgot to throw in the extra one while I'm getting my head smashed the cars are blowing up the gas tanks are blowing up right next to me so I'm next to cars blowing yeah. up so I don't have any idea how much more damage and that, and that was part of like our situation too is we kept hearing explosions you know like we kept because the cars were blowing up all the cars and we figured there were yeah we, we didn't know like other bombs we I thought know. they were dropping bombs from a plane yeah and then like after, I remember after it first happened it felt like debris was just bricks were just raining down and then I had the same feeling that you you had. I remember thinking when I broke the fence down, they're just going to be with guns just picking me off. Yeah. And, and I yeah, was you, like... You're like, what is going on right now? Well, I knew what was going on, but I just didn't know at like, extent, how hunted I was. Or And then at, at one point, I'm like, you know, fuck it. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's like, you know, I got everybody's got that date on their head. So, so, so you know... I got, they cut the skin off. I got that done. Um, I got got myself together, and then I was leaving. Say it's Sunday, whatever. I, I just got the the hardest thing for me was going back to our room because we were Steve and I were sharing the room, and seeing all his thongs and his towel and his booties and his boards and everything, you know, and uh, having to pack stuff up and. Uh, so I'm like, finally we're able to, I think it was Monday, we were able to finally go to the airport. And I'm not, th- I'm not, I, I'm not thinking about it, but you know, I got broken eardrums, you know, and I'm like, you, you know, when you fly, what happens, how your ears pop? So I had a perforated, uh, I think it's called a cochlea in my left ear, where balance fluid is. And so I think I probably damaged myself a lot worse as far as my my vertigo and I still sometimes I get vertigo and I'm sick for three weeks or a month I can't walk I can't move my head and that's the, one of the worst things is the vertigo got worse when I came home by the time I got home I, cu- I couldn't even move my head an inch without just vomiting I don't just I mean my hands were blown off so I couldn't shit I couldn't take change my clock and you know I'm, I'm still bleeding I was like fuck man and, and, and I couldn't so hear when did you got to fly home I finally okay so on the on the fly home but like how many days after? Monday. You, you couldn't leave, right? I got to leave Monday. Yeah. Maybe because he was injured. Yeah. Like they, they put me through, they put so me through and I had to go through a physical, kind of a, a quasi Yeah, because Australians sent flights for the injured and flown back. They were going to send me. They were sending planes of mm. picking up injured people. Like They were going to take me to Perth. They, they said, well, they get the, the, the doctor was checking me. It was like a militant doctor. Yeah. And he's like, man. He they goes, shut down the ports. They shut down everything. It was like yeah. the, the island. Like they wanted to capture these people, but also like only the, flights were for rescue and, yeah. and med- medevac. So he's all, he, he looks at my ears and he goes, you feeling dizzy, mate? I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, you got some problems. And then he goes, what else? And I showed him again. He goes, oh, man, you broke 
He goes, that bone's in a bag. He goes, uh, they're known to explode in the air. Explode <clears throat> from pressure because it fills with fluid. It's in a sack, this bat, their shoulder blades. I didn't know that. And so I'm going, I'm going, and then so he goes, we'll take you straight away to Perth. And I go, I'm not going to fucking Australia. I'm going, I'm, I want to go home. Yeah. You know? And so he goes, well, and I go, you know, I could die up there or I can die down here. I'm going home. And I didn't realize, as, I, as I'm lifted off in the airplane, my ears are just going, my nose are just going, I'm going, everybody's just looking at me going, fucking it. I'm just going, I didn't realize, but all that fluid and all that stuff was getting squeezed out, which probably made it a lot worse for me in the long run. If I would have been able to stay and let it... Was there a lot of people on that plane? Yeah, there was, pe there was people on the plane. Like I said, there was an Aussie guy sitting next to me. and Oh, and then the, the, the doctor said, whatever you do, don't say bomb on a plane. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. and I go, okay. And then it's just the most ironic thing was probably the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. I don't give a shit what nationality was. I was on Singapore Airlines there and back. And I've never been on a flight where I had the same flight attendant twice. No way. And she's the one that comes up to me. She's so beautiful. And I can look at her like, oh! You know, she's like one of those. And she goes, what, what has happened to you? And I said, the ball. <laughs> and so we're, we're flying. I've got all this shit coming out. I'm just, I'm just wiping the blood. I, there's nothing I can do. It's just coming out. And, and she goes, she, like as soon as I said that, people on the plane were going, yikes. And then she split. And I look and I see the captain look through around the curtain at me. I'm going, oh my God. The Aussie next to me goes, man, because you can't say bomb on a plane, mate. And he's got no eardrums, so he yelled it probably. Yeah, yeah. and I yelled it. <laughs> and so, there's the bomb. Yeah, and so, and so I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go to Taipei or wherever, and they're going to fucking load me off into a jail. I remember I was calling, I'm going to look at the fucking, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And uh, it's, it was funny because they, they came and they picked me up and, and that's when remember I told you guys they put took me in the wheeled me away brought in me a Sprite right on there in the Sprite in Singapore got me a Sprite and uh, they're wheeling me down thing that's when I grabbed the newspaper I showed you guys the Singapore Times and the lady brought me in and shot me morphine she said shh she gave me morphine so I'm back on the plane Whoa! singing and just just higher than freaking Hades she's I don't know what the hell she just gave me morphine got me fucked up man is morphine heroin? I, it's, I, well, no, it's, it's gnarlier. It's, it's gnarlier. Yeah, it's, like, it's a form of kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a druggie, but yeah. So then, so then, you know, I mean, that's a 24-hour flight, 27 hours, I think. You know, it was just it was it was gnarly. And then I get back get get back home, and I don't realize it's it's a pretty big deal, you know? Yeah. I land, I'm, I'm still just like, I still kept, just I still kept bleeding. I'm, I'm going, what the hell, man? Am I going to, you know, I kept waiting to die, you know? And then a couple of agents met me when I, when I, since I landed and they're, they're like waking me up. Hey, hey, you know, um, there's a big group of people waiting for you. And I, I, I thought he was talking about my family. You know, I go, who? And they go, well, Fox News, Rolling Stone. And I'm like, what? I go, what about my family? And I was going through a weird my chick kind of broke up with me while I was over there. I had a couple of traumatic things happen while I was over there. And, uh, and so I'm coming home to nothing. And so the, one of the agents goes, yeah, it's your son and your girlfriend. I'm going, which girlfriend? <laughs> and it was the one that, that we had broken up. And then she was there. And, and, and then uh, they, said, they said, well, 
How take care of your son. 32. No, then. Oh, time. he was minus now till 2002. 12. Yeah, he's just a little guy. I showed him the newspaper. The, he's hugging me when I'm in the wheelchair. Yeah. But uh, I told him, I go, you know what? Because I just had the worst thing as easy as they blew us up. I kept thinking, that's going to be super easy to blow up any place. Any place. Yeah. And so I, they said, you know, there's all these news things. And I said, I'll talk to all of them. And I went out there and I couldn't make sense of I couldn't hear. I couldn't, couldn't put two and two together. It was kind of horrible. But I did that. That uh, took care of that. And then they told me that Angels won the World Series. You know, so I mean, there was a, one little bright light at the end of all this hell. Yeah. And uh, then I had to get, I finally got to the, to the doctor, Hogue Hospital. And they're like, x-rayed me, showed me all the, all the stuff. And then obviously told me, doctor's like, you know, you're, you're screwed for, you know, you're, all your, your Not going to surf, not no, going to sing, yeah. not going to do I'm like, great, music and surfing's done. It's a grim reaper. I lost everything, man. I lost everything. I couldn't fucking hear. This left ear was completely deaf. A hundred percent. As time went by, it did, I noticed that this ear was completely gone. And uh, months later, anyway, it was just weird. Months later, I was eating at the yard house, and it came back. No way! And I started crying. You remember the minute that yard house? It was like the angels are just singing right was now. Was it like when you walk, like when it pops, like and all of a sudden, like yeah. if you have like that yeah. surfer's ear and you're like, underwater. What you say? You could hear a little bit. I could hear, like a little bit, or like I can hear that. My eyes are watering. I'm like, I'm like, my God, my God. Yeah, I could hear. That's just like a a simple thing in life that you can't live without. You know, like when you lose it. Yeah, I I've got I've got another. You mentioned surfers here. I've got like 98 and 94 closure. I've been I've been surfing 52 years. Yeah. So I'm like we're the same. The doctor actually said. Yeah, you got the bony growth that interosteus that probably helped you keep your hearing. <laughs> I was like, right. woo! Surfing saved me. It was, yeah, it was yeah, a catechism of freaking. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You're saved by hearing. I mean, I met my, 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 my girl look at my ear and she's like, yikes. That's, that thing's like this big. Yeah. So, what, like, you come, you come back and, and then they give you the bad news of, like, well, obviously you had to know, like, yeah. I am fucked. Yeah. Ears, yeah. body, yeah. you know, and, 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 and friend is gone. Yeah, and they finally located him, and and uh, they fly his body back and everything, and yeah, and then do, and we did a pile out for him, and um, and all that, and then you know, I just, I mean, my God, I was just like, I was so sick, like I had permanent vertigo, permanent for like a m- couple months, where I just. I, I, I couldn't move my head even even inch. I could I would just go. I mean, I'd spend like ah, ah, just just. Woo, 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 woo. I still like I said. I still get it sometimes. I can't understand I don't, what that. It is, is the gnarliest thing you could ever have because so you're sweating and you're throwing up and you and you and and, and 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 the worst thing for me was for a while. I realized that when I went to sing, when I tried to sing, even like just a few years back. I got I got a vertigo. I realized when I try to sing, the pressure on my ears would give me insane vertigo. So driving home from practice was like I drank a gallon of vodka, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't even see, I can't even drive, I'm gonna fucking die. And that just stays as long as it wants to, and it's gone. And it's like you can't ever remember having it. But I still get it sometimes. What a wow. weird fucking 
Because that's an inner ear thing, right? Vertigo? Yeah. 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 It's like a, yeah. yeah it's a, and and then, then it's like your, your fluid. That, it's a balance mechanism. It's, it is. Right. And mine lost, I lost most of it in this ear. And then uh, the, one of the hardest things was like when people, I try to explain what traumatic brain injury is like. It's like, uh, say all your memories are a dinner plate. I just grab them and go, Bam! like that. That's what that bomb did to me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, put I still, every, put I still have cracks. Like a couple times I got lost while we're talking and I don't remember what I'm talking about. So I get voids that are still there from the traumatic brain injury. But if you see a lot of the Iraqi soldiers, a lot of the soldiers that are in, on a you know, lot smaller bombs are a lot more screwed up as far as the traumatic brain injury goes, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I really fought through it hard. Dude. You know? <laughs> Well, obviously, I thought, I thought through it like a demon. I you have all your fingers, you have your eyesight, you can hear your... You, kind you, of, you know, kind of. Well, yeah, know. I mean... But I mean, I've, I've, record, I've, fuck, I've toured the U.S. since then, and in a band, I've fucking recorded four albums. So did you <laughs> Did you come back and then dive back into drugs, or were you just cold sober? I did. Because you had to cope, right? I did, I did. I was really, I was really, really 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 messed up when I first came back because here I was like this quasi celebrity too where everybody knew who I was from being so I go to the I go out to the bar and it was like dude, dude and then I'm so broken that I'd be sitting at a bar and I just start crying my eyes out everybody's like oh my god get this guy out of here I, I couldn't control myself yeah. still to this day I like sometimes I'll hear songs and it just blah, just triggers me and and people look at me like what's wrong I go fuck I don't know man I, I just certain triggers just yeah. just trigger and then for a while I would be because I'm a musician I'd be at clubs the worst thing I had was flashbacks I'd be at clubs and I gotta tell you how I healed myself um, I'd be at clubs and, and also I'd go I'd, I'd go I'd look around I'd go this is just like the night boom everybody's dead but me and so like I'd get up and I would I dedicate a song to Steve in my metal band and I'd, I'd go you know what 2002, October 12th, I was in a club just like this. And I explained what happened. And I explained, I dedicate the song to Steve and people are always tripping out on that. But I went through such, like I was trying to tell him, when you have this level of post-traumatic stress, it feels like you've had nightmares where you wake up and it takes you a while. You go, whoa, that was gnarly. Yeah. Well, what happens with post-traumatic stress, at least the level that I have, nightmares blur with reality yeah, and you don't know what's real. It's like, you could tell me, I could find out later I'm really dead. And all this is bullshit. And I, I'd go, yeah, sure. Believe it. And, and the feeling I have is like, if you've ever done coke and been up all night, the sun's coming up, the coke's gone, you gotta sleep, you can't. That's how I feel every minute. I feel like that every minute when I'm out in public. It just, and like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, I wish I could say I've been there. I wish I could say I wasn't there. <laughs> Well, but, but you can relate to that. Yeah. So everything feels like you died and nothing's real. And it sucks. That sucks. That sucks part of it. So, well, go, you know, going back to, you know, you have friends that like bounce back. You got, you know, Steve kind of, hey, it's my birthday. You know, like it. the hardest thing I think, whether you've gone through the extreme of you or you're in my position where I could have, should have would have been there and you try to backpedal those decisions 
and that kind of eats me up too you know yeah, see, like, I, I, I learned a long time ago like, not to do that not not eat me up but yeah. it's like it just it it makes you kind of wonder you know why you know and 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 how, what can i learn from where i'm at you know like it's just so i'll wild. tell you what you learn from what it's, i learned from life trust your instincts they're always right 100 percent. when i was really little we had little kittens and there was a dog that was sticking he was a pit bull he was sticking his nose through the fence and my mom goes you have to trust your instincts and i go she was like kung fu i go what do you mean she goes watch she took a little newborn kitten and put it up by the dog's nose the dog went Rah! the cat was scratching his nose she goes that's instinct that cat doesn't know what a dog is it knows instinctively that it's going to die and so it protects itself instincts yeah. are everything so so yeah. make it so so this is important and i and i still am, i have close ties but as a matter of fact it's weird i just i was contacted and just on a random thing i was contacted uh, a couple months back by the fbi and department of justice and they're like the indonesian government wants to compensate you i'm all really oh yeah because i think i heard the aussies got you know, the, the government, their family, or they survived that. They were, you know, given help. And uh, I go, oh, okay, cool. Sure. Anyway, this anyway, is recently? Yeah, this is just a few months back. Sure. And so I go, okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with, like, I'm going on Zoom, and I got FBI, Department of Justice, Indonesian government, Indonesian uh, FBI, you know, all popping up on this thing. And they ended up giving me 14 grand. I knew it was something. I go, I'll take, I'll take it. Yeah. And and but they were so sweet, and they're like, thank you, you know, because, you know, like I said, I went to court against this monster, and I when I think how far after ten was ten years ago, I went. I was contacted, and they said, hey, we we caught Umar Patek in Abbottabad, Pakistan, right down the street from where Bin Laden was. Crazy, kind of, kind of fishy, but uh, they said. Uh, We'd really, you know, there's an opportunity for you to go and get some closure and go go to court. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it, you know, and I'm sitting there talking personally to the FBI. And I go, you know, and they're going, well, you know what? You're going to be protected basically like uh, like a, a, an ambassador. You're going to be, you know, we're going to really, you know, you're going to, we've already practiced this thing. So you went all the way back to Bali? I went to, I went to Jakarta. Jakarta sitting in a I went to Jakarta to court and uh, did you did you build the FBI and the Department of Justice for a boat trip in correlation with this trip? <laughs> did you mix business no, with pleasure? <laughs> no, the deal I worked out was I said I'll go if I could stay in Kenduya. No, 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 if I can go to if I can go to Bali and go to Ground Zero yeah. before. And they're like, well, you can go after. I go, I'm not gonna go after. My name's gonna be all over the news. Yeah. I'm gonna go have Al Qaeda kill me when I go back to the monument. Yeah. So I worked out that deal. I did. I went. I went to Bali and surfed Ulu, and uh, and and was able to squeeze through the fence. Did you see? Oh, you had to see how they got it chained up in old bicycles and broken bottles in there. And I was able to squeeze through the fence. And I went in there and stood like at ground zero and and uh, went to the monument. We took we took our our family, our kids. I don't know. It was maybe three or four years ago, and we went and took photos in front of the monument and, and memorial and and said you know our names could have been on this you know kind yeah. of explained it there you know the older ones 
kind of understood it a little bit, but our little ones are like, didn't really. So it was kind of, I mean, it's intense for us to do that, but to, you know, visit, revisit. And, and, you know, I've been there since then, the bombing with myself, but my wife hasn't been back, you know, since that visit with our kids, like, you know, yeah. like 15 years later, 16, something like that. It was wild. I wouldn't face that guy though, face to face and basically told him I'm the ghost of your countrymen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the ghost of your past. And so he got put away. He got 20 years. I just got contacted about two weeks ago from the DOJ slash FBI. They said basically Indonesian government's going to release him. <laughs> so crazy. They're going to release him after 10 years. He killed 202 people and maimed all those people. So, so, so then I've dealt with just on, a, on an important thing to help others, yeah. which I've really hounded the Department of Justice on because I think there's like 68 soldiers that blow their fucking heads off every day and yeah, commit suicide because they're so sad yeah. and they're so sickened. Like yeah. yeah, man! Oh, we just got <laughs> sandbagged by the other Jay. What are you doing, bro? Uh, I just have to get a mass graphics. So I thought I'd uh, pick up a bunch of posters and stop right here. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, going back okay. to the, yeah. I was I was telling, uh, so, so I, I was, talking to, uh, I was going and talking to a psychiatrist guy. He was you know, just an, an ex-Navy SEAL guy and he was you know, just going to talk to him and just kind of air your thing out. It wasn't doing much for me. You know, I liked him and it was good and I was talking to him for a while. And he goes, he goes, you know, I just got a real job. I can't talk to you anymore because he was like an intern. And so that's their deal. They can't have any contact with you after they go to, the, to become a real psychiatrist. He goes, but I've got this girl. She's a surfer. She's like 28 and she does a treatment called EMDR. Hmm. EMDR. Look it up. It's crazy. And uh, I went and I go, okay, sure. You know, I'll talk to her. And I did like 25 or 30 treatments. And it, I've never seen a shrink since. It's been about seven years. She healed me like 90%. Wow. And what it does is it brings you back to every single traumatic. She goes, she goes you know what a Rolodex is? And I go, yeah. She goes, all your harms that have happened in your life, imagine they're in a Rolodex. It'll just open to a page of tra trauma and you'll go through it. And then it's a healing process. Crazy. And so I went through those treatments and it, it, it really did work. It really did work. It was, it was amazing. Well, that, I mean, that needs to be spoken about because yeah, there's a lot of people that don't have resources or maybe don't know about that type of, you know, help you know so i mean anytime you could kind of and not one size fits all type of thing you know so different therapies work for different people but like just to get them exposed and be like hey if this didn't work or this didn't work yeah like, there's also this you like know that, the what what is uh this is it a Therapy. It's a therapy. It's like a. Yeah. It's like a. It, it, it's it's an eye movement see? desensitization of processing a psychotherapy treatment that is originated and uh, designed to alleviate stress and associated with traumatic memories. So it seems like it's just a different approach to maybe some of the like do maybe you do like traditional. Any, 
She sure. does. She does like a tap. No, she does like a tapping, and then like a and and then you. It's she was so good at it. I told like her almost I, like a hip, hip yeah. hypnotist. But it brings you back to each item exactly as it happened. It's like a say say the the item is a big swollen balloon of yeah. of, of misery. Yeah. Just it just deflates it. Yeah. And it's the only thing I've known that works. Can we pause for one second? Yeah. yeah. We want to. We want to say thank you to Jay Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> What's up, brother? Hi, hey, brother. Yeah. Steve, how you doing? Outpost Kitchen. Is it Jay? Are you, the, are you the one that I just did the painting for? Yeah, apparently. Did yeah. you see it? Go take a look at the this, damn thing. It's pretty a, sick, right? Yeah. That's a hundred-year-old. That's a hundred-year-old frame. No way. Yeah. Hundred years. Yep. I got it at I got it at the Salvation Army. This it's it's like this. It was a, from an estate and. Uh, yeah, so I, that's just for allowing us to, to yeah, be here. Yeah, of course, thank you. I it's a beautiful that. piece, it really is. Yeah, it really uh, fit in well. That's what I do, you know, I just, I do paintings and I just, I got them all over the place. That's I how he does. I meet people, I just do a bit of He's a musician for... No, you just gotta um, listen Like to four or five different things. <laughs> yeah. It's a little lumpy, yeah. though, it's a little lumpy. Yeah. I'm a little lumpy, I'm, my brain's not all that good anymore. I love it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yes. I was also in the Bali bombing. Yeah. Oh, shit, you were. I was the American, the only one that lived in the Sari Club. Oh shit. So I was sitting about that close to the to the Mitsubishi when it blew up. Wow. Yeah. So we were just wrapping that up, and we're talking about therapy and life after. E M D R. Yeah. It's 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 incredible. It. I've never seen a shrink since. And people like I remember being interviewed by my shrink, and he goes. He goes, man, he goes, you got a worse past than Jeffrey Dahmer. I go, yeah, but I'm not. I mean, <laughs> I had my see, 18th birthday and my 21st birthday in Surrey Club. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Wait, We've had one in? 18th and 21st birthday. 18th was with the boys, 21st, my parents were in Surrey Club as well. So oh, shit. And then a year later, it went down. Maybe a year or two. Yeah. So if you've been, been, been Sar- many times of nights. If you've been in the Surrey Club, then you know. Right when you walk walk into the right, the little skinny area between the bar. Yeah, yeah. The the corner of the bar closest to the wall is where we were oh, wow, when yeah. the bomb went off. Yeah. So it was like right next to us. Yeah. It's next crazy. To the right, on that back on the alleyway right there. If you're in the corner, what's the poppies right yeah. there? Yeah. Right. You're right there. Right there on um, Legion Street poppies. Yeah. So sketchy. Yeah, it was a little bit, it was, it was, you know, I still, uh, I still, you know, it still sucks. It's still like shit. I know, it, it, it doesn't go away. I, I was on the Ripco boat when it sank in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, my buddy next door, yeah. He, yeah, Sean. Sean, not Sean, yeah. Sean no, I, no, I surfed with him forever, yeah. and he told me that story. I was like, God damn, man, that's, you know, can, life can get tough, man. You gotta be, you gotta be ready for anything. Yeah, that was a wild, wild but yeah and we never got to finish that story because I blacked out here I passed out we were doing a his interview here how'd you black out? too much drink really? (laughs) wow he's a lightweight damn not me man I'm late night late night with lightweight (laughs) no dude if, okay, we did a, we did a <laughs> tasting and alcohol tasting. Yeah, because he's opening up his other, yeah, uh, yeah. other. Um, Get in there. Good his on. new restaurant in yeah. Bristol, uh-huh. right? And he had a food tasting, and we were here from four thirty in the afternoon till like eleven at night, eating and drinking. So, really, that's what happened. 
You, you know, I, I, I was just going to well, say, like... i got to make a quick call to this young lady. She's tripping on me. I was okay. You were not okay. You were hammered. Bro. I was hammered. You yeah. guys, you don't even know. You don't want to drink with me, man. I was I, out. I, 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 people end up falling, puking on the floor. And I'm going, let's go. <laughs> I'm Irish, for God's sake. No. Hi, hon. Yeah. I'm still here with these young bucks. We're, we're going to wrap it up. We're, we're almost We're almost wrapped up. We're all over the place with this thing, but it's it's been fun. It's we're, been awesome. We're right? gonna finish up on on the art and okay. what you're yeah. doing now. Our, yeah, I'm gonna get. I, I'm gonna okay, get when when are you leaving? So I was on my honeymoon. Oh, so I'm supposed Bali, to get it. A block away from the bombing. Oh we're god! Just, just all right, let's see about dude. He was in the epicenter. He was there. I was 20 feet away from the bomb. And I got there. You should have been there. Come. I was. There, just outside the perimeter. Oh, where is that? Not, not there because it was at eleven and not twelve. See this right here? Um, there's the bomb. Right, we were right there. Yeah, and then Poppy, I saw, I saw this, I saw the first blast. Heard the screaming. This, this guy, this guy blew himself up first, and then about fifteen seconds later, this one. But I was looking at the tiles. I'm like, dear God, man. Yeah. Mm. It's heavy. Yeah, that, this yeah. is the actual first and second blast. Have you seen this photo? Nah. Heavy, huh? Mental. So fucking. I got some crazy, crazy stuff from there's inside the inside so the club heavy. right there. Pretty well, that's heavy. That's heavy. I went through all these body parts looking for my friend. So that was the Shangri-La hospital. Look at this shit, bra strap. Mm. Fucking evil man. Bastards. Evil. Straight yeah. evil. Yeah. So let's let's end on a good note. Yeah, let's end on a good note. Krabby is a not only is he an accomplished musician with like four or five bands. Yeah, he's also an artist, and we've been gifted some fucking pretty cool. That's pure love too. And yeah. I thought about you. I thought about you. I go, this fucking Aussie man, he's got to get one. And so that one is so beautiful. Dude, you know how many people try to buy that for me? I just, I, say, I go, I'm gonna give that to the perfect person. Yeah, and man, that's, I see it on store. That's yeah. you. Yeah, I'll see. Um, I know why the Aussie gets this. Like, I know that's, that's a right. dude because he, these, 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 he's an old soul, and he's probably pretty glad he's out of Australia right now. What's going on over there right now? Yeah. So, so okay. what's Krabby doing these days? Besides, I'm producing music. I just finished writing my movie script. And it's amazing. It's fucking mind blowing. I've had, I'm not gonna drop names, but I had a big time Australian uh, actor that was up, it really interested in this. And the guy I was writing with didn't deliver on time. And he said, and uh, I won't drop a name, but it's a big guy. Okay. And uh, I've had a lot of interest in it and gotten really it's close. Too, can you, know, you, can you, actor? <laughs> you, you know which one's a surfer. Well, it was a surfer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too. And, uh, and can you tell us the name of the... There's a lot of Australian actors there. There are. It's yeah, like, it's like oh, I didn't know ACDC was Australian. What the... Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just like the Chats. I love the Chats. That's kind of so amazing. Anyway, so what? The, you know the, what? the, the, the title. The title of the movie? Yeah. Voices in the Fire. So I'm, we're looking to write a book right now too. I'm uh, I just like I said I just finished the script. Um, I'll show you guys and verify what I'm talking about. So you know, I'm full yeah, of shit. So you you wrote a screenplay for it. Yeah, it's done. Voices. I'm looking to write a book. I'm looking to write a book right now. Well, I don't know what I'm doing, but whatever. 
Doesn't hurt. Does Whatever's clever. Your this guy's an artist. Oh God, that's that's so. Uh, is that you almost barrel dodging over there? <laughs> oh, I've done some barrel dodging. <laughs> here it is. This guy's an artist right here. Here it is right here. Voices in the Fire, written by Steve Crabby Cowler, based on true events. My opening line is, the, uh, your darkest hour will shine a light on your true friends. You shine on that little bit. I found out who was real. When I was laying there bleeding out of my ass, fucking dying in my bed, well, people came and fucking helped me. I think, I think you're... Fucking yeah, your your whether you say intuition or gut instinct or you know first, you know you know all the different cliches of like going with that feeling instinct, instinct all instinct, yeah, one hundred percent true. And if that's one thing you could kind of embed in people's mind is, and it could be from taking a test at school as remedial as like that is, like you know oh. I don't know, question, like, what the first question that popped, you know, usually it's the right one, you know, and as far as something more serious, you know, to something that's, like, yeah. life, life change, like, I knew, I you, knew something bad was going to happen, I fucking yeah, knew it. You got to go and trust that, and I think the more you can kind of tap into that, the more successful in life you'll be and not yeah. just in survival but just in everything wasn't there work, something business, that you wanted to say intuition. to, to uh, as, a, as advice at the end instinct I'm saying the EMDR treatment I, I think that would be that would be my advice because I, I really worry about a lot of the soldiers that got tricked into these shitty fucking wars they're all amputees and the, all the government's just going, ha, how'd that work out for you? You know, let them just blow their brain. Have you seen the biggest trend is all these American soldiers are shooting themselves at the vet in the vet parking lot and leaving notes because they're not helping them. No. Yeah. There's no use for them anymore. All the fake wars and all the bullshit. So it makes me really wonder what, what was really going on over there in, in that bombing. I don't know what the hell was really going on. Yeah. Uh, the night before, I was at uh, the Bounty I was with a German girl, didn't speak English, and uh, beautiful girl. And uh, four of these guys came up, Patek, one of the bomber, the, and three other guys, smiling bomber. All those guys came up, spit in my face, and they said, fuck you, fuck America, fuck George Bush. We have family in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Why do you want to kill Saddam Hussein? They said that in October, six months before... Bush bombed and killed all those innocent people in Iraq. They knew. They knew. Something's and they blew us up first. And that's why they came up to me personally. And you know, I'm not trying to... I, I was, there was only a few Americans. We were there in, in October. There's no, you know, usually the tourist season's over for Americans. There's only a few of us there. Mostly Aussies. Yeah. It, that, that's what was really odd is the time of the night they did it, the time of the year they did it, you know, and everything, and maybe they were just under pressure, and they thought it was a little bit easier when it's not. As I heard they want to do it. They wanted to do it on the 11th for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever. Heard, I saw uh, somebody sent me pictures of flyers where it was like a date, and it was like a mock dance club with an explosion going off on yeah. on that date. Did you see that? No. Did you see that? Yeah. So there was a lot of, um, as you probably know, a lot of uh, Australian football teams. They were in there to the same because night. it's the end of their season. Basically, yeah. like your Lakers. Yeah, yeah. They, so they go to Bali and they party, and there was a uh, North Melbourne football team yeah. at Surrey Club, and a lot of them died on that on that night. Um, 
So, but yeah, it's a that's what I was telling you. Somebody was telling me because I was getting calls from Australia. You know, people are like, hey, you know, you know, the, the, like a one of the footy teams was just like like the Lakers, like the equivalent of the fucking yeah, Lakers yeah. were there, and these are big fucking badass dudes. Big it, yeah, it's yeah. tough. It's it, that was tough to survive that thing, man. It was fucking tough. Took everything in my power. Yeah, and then to heal from it took everything more in my power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how we're going to end yeah. this I, interview on a positive note because yeah. Yeah, it's it's persevered going. through... You guys, and listen, you have to remember something. I don't hear good. I don't. I have a lot of glitches in my brain, so I'm all over the place, yeah. and it, I can't help it. Yeah. It's just the way I am. Oh, dude. Uh, we, we were stoked and honored to hear every detail of, I hope it, of your... I hope uh, it. I mean, you guys well, can't well, take... And, cut and, shit as much... You know, no, whatever no, we dude. We fucking print it. And, <laughs> Inspire and then continue. Like you guys, I really want you to keep those for yeah. the rest of your life. Oh yeah, dude, we're fucking. It's going in my office. I'm so, I'm so, I have such a crazy level of PTSD. I, I, I hate the night. Yeah. I, I, my, my girlfriend goes to sleep. I can't even be in bed with her. I have to sleep on the couch because I'm fucking up. Yeah. I can't. I'm like charged awake. I'm 62 and I can run through a fucking wall still. Yeah. You know. Hey. And so I, I paint <clears throat> all night. And so I just my paintings. If I don't sell them, I'm giving them. I'm just putting them Stay busy. and they're everywhere I, I turn around they're in Canada they're in Spain they're in fucking Nicaragua they're in yeah. it's so amazing they're in Australia I got paintings in Australia Hawaii all over the fucking world you and you're still that's creating, my gift you that's my gift and you're still creating music right I'm, you're gonna I play tomorrow play, night right I just played you I just played one, one here one of my one, one of my songs yeah, let's play tomorrow night right it's in on that let's go yeah um, yeah I'm playing tomorrow night you guys you ought to, if, if you're gonna print this in enough time you can maybe throw that out there yeah well, I'm going to launch it tomorrow morning. So I do. Uh, so where are you playing tomorrow night? We're playing at a little club called Surf Dogs. Surf, surf. surf we're Dogs. At, we're playing at Surf Dogs in Huntington Beach on Springfield and Warner with some old school punk bands. I'm doing, I dress up like a freaking monster. Springdale and Warner. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. And what I, time? I, I'm, we go on at 930 and we Sick. just, we play everything from Black Flag to Bob Marley. I just get up there. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm my. I'm called Anton Shadows. I, I. I'll show you. It's funny, man. It's super fucking cool. What, what's your What's your stage name? Anton Shadows and the Impalers. <laughs> um, here's a song we just recorded in our garage. And, and you, while he's playing that, are you familiar with uh, Thank you, with Motorhead? Thank yes. you. Here's Ashland, my, Anton Shadows doing Villager. Villager. Nice. Are just we live. Yet? Just live. Just live CBD bonsai bowls, bonsai bowls. Yeah, these are parting gifts for being on the podcast. Shade sunscreen so you don't freaking burn your nose. I like this. I wish you had some that didn't get me high that let me sleep. It will. Yeah, you got your own truck. The Rolling Stones. I love the fucking Stones, mate. I love that. I love that, man. That is so cool. Yeah. And you of guys, course. you guys never get anybody that's going to come in and give you that love like that. We love Hell no, it. dude. This yeah. is amazing. Let's hear Ace of Spades, shall we? Let's hear it. Anton Shadows and the Fabulous Impalers with their own version of Ace of Spades. Now, if I get it to play, hold it. One more time, one more time.
don't share your greed. Only caught on ease. He ain't suspended. He ain't suspended. Here tomorrow night. Antoine Shadows and the Fabulous Impalers with Circle One, American Made, at Surf Dogs Saloon Bar and Grill in Huntington Beach on Warner and Springdale. Be there! And listen to Anton Shadows and the Fabulous Impalers tomorrow night! Be there! Bonsai Bowls, hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls, go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill, clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade sunscreen. <laughs> Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.